0: Welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nikki, and I'm joined as always by the man who has just kissed my ring and pledged allegiance to the Culture Swally. It's Greg. How are you today,
1: Greg? I feel like I did that like three years ago. <laughs> or longer. Yeah, you did actually. Yeah, yeah, you probably
0: did. Yeah, you're right actually. Yeah, but yeah. you just, uh, you kind of just reassured it just recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah.
1: So Sort of re- renewed my vows. Exactly. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. That's exactly it. Uh,
1: how are you today? All good? All good. Yep. Looking forward to uh, correcting some historical inaccuracies. <laughs> When we do the when we cover our film later on, uh, yeah, there's a couple. There's not too many though, but well, we'll get
0: into that later on. But yeah, yeah there yeah. are there are one or two. Um, but yeah, we'll speak about that later.
1: Uh, but yeah, everything else good with you? All good. Yep. Looking forward, I've got a little tribute band concert to go to tomorrow, uh, which you know is something exciting to do. Um, I did find out that you often mention, or you've mentioned a couple of times, both on the pod and just in our conversation uh, from when you lived in. Dubai uh, Kamara market of knockoffs and uh Oh yeah, karama, stuff. yeah. Karama, sorry. Did you yeah. know that? Apart, did you know that the police shut it down?
0: Oh, really? Did they? They, they <laughs> yeah. always threatened to, but I, I yeah. thought
1: they always just kind of got away with it. Oh, has it been completely shut down now? Is it completely shut down? Um, wow. I was I was sitting with a Scottish colleague today having coffee. I, I won't name him. Not, not that he'll listen to the culture swally, but maybe maybe one of his relatives listens. I don't want to stick him in, uh, but he's he's a nice fella. He's he's sounds He's a bit older than me, and he was um, you know he he sort of he sort of gives English people ammunition to hammer us all with the stereotype of being sort of a tight Scottish person in okay. his chat. But he was going on about uh, Camara and he was saying, oh, brilliant, like, instead of going to polo, you could just go up there and buy, like, ten polo tops for hardly any money. And, you know, they would last me six months and then the collars would fall off and all that, but that doesn't matter, you just go back and buy some more. And I could just see, like, there was a few English colleagues with us and they were starting to tee up the tight Scotsman stuff, um... And I got pelted all morning <laughs> because of the sky. I've never even been there.
0: I, uh, you never went. Oh, it was brilliant no. back in the day. I mean, obviously, I'm talking back in the day, like early 2000s, um, mm. even up until maybe like 2005 or so. And you would go, and it was just just this row of shops, and you would go in, and on the shop floor they would have loads of fake stuff, but it was like obvious fake stuff, like right. like pretty cheap quality yeah. stuff. But if you had yeah. a little word with a man, there'd be a little secret door and you <laughs> would open the door and you'd go up this little staircase in, and yeah. all the shops had this. And you'd basically be in the loft and there was all this stuff that was just fucking absolutely perfect knockoffs, right? Stuff. And right. of course, their thing was, no, no, it's real, real, genuine, fake, genuine, fake. Mm. And right. it, yeah, and um, it was a bit more expensive than the stuff that was on the shop floor. But yeah, it was a lot of the stuff you would never be able to tell but obviously highly yeah. legal but uh yeah no I I went a few times I think when I was younger uh, I remember buying a pair of Sean John trousers and a pair of <laughs> Johnny Blaze jeans there um, yeah yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah I, once I'd moved there I think I only went maybe once or twice never really yeah Went there for anything because you never really wanted anything fake to be honest, but uh, yeah, loads no. of people loved it going to Karama getting their fake stuff. A like knock-off. it's not like down to Barras, you know.
1: No, it's at a Paddy's you market, just get your,
0: your knockoff software and uh, DVDs yeah. and stuff. No, it was all clothing and handbags. Like it, it was good for the ladies, they all got their handbags and purses and shoes and stuff, so it, yeah. was, uh, it was good for them.
1: Um, my, my cousins and I used to go to Paddy's market in Glasgow and buy Amiga games because um, you could buy because it was quite easy to copy Amiga games I remember I used to yeah. have this sort of copy software that I copied yeah. off I copied it off somebody the copy software um, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called it might come back to me but yeah you could go down there and they always had like whatever was new because they would just buy it and crack it and copy it mm. Um so you could get. I remember we went and bought the Ninja Turtles arcade game for like it was like three discs, and it cost us like two pound fifty or something. <laughs> and it, you know, and, and the thing was, if it, if they ever had any pro, the guy would say like if, it, if there's any issues with it, just got j- just bring it back because they would they would do the copy for you later, and then. You would wait. They had like an Amiga and oh, like wow. a gen and like a generator. <laughs> it was plugged into and they were just like. We would just do the copy for you, sort of, there and then. Um, oh, wow. You just, copy you, you to order. Be, Fantastic. You just wait a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was fucking brilliant, Paddy's Market. Um, obviously, it got a bit harder to do as home computers and consoles got a bit more sophisticated. But God bless the Commodore Amiga. That's all I oh. can say. Well, what a time to be alive.
0: Yeah, I had an Atari ST, and I was the same. I used to get copied games from my, my friend all the time. Um, mm. And even the, even the PlayStation 1, I used to get copied mm. games. Um, our mutual friend who, as you've said, was a, a scourge to the Scottish Rail Network. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he had a little sideline. He would um, basically just go to Blockbuster, rent a game, copy it, and then... Sell it. Would sell them, yeah. Obviously, what then got a co- master copy.
1: What did they copy it onto then? What? Format disc, just form? a
0: just a CD, uh, oh well, it was like a DVD. All um, oh, right, okay. Just a DVD, you would copy it onto, and as long as your PlayStation was chipped, or you could ah. get a little thing. You know, those were the days you could buy them in the shops, like, and it was basically just a little spring you put yeah. on into the like the, the original PlayStation had this little sharp bit that went yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you would buy, you got this thing. It was a disc and a spring. So you would put in the this disc and put the spring in the thing and put it mm. down and the disc would spin about five times then it would lift up you would take the disc out put your copied game in close it and then it would just play perfectly right <laughs> yeah it was a little bit of faff but it was worth it yeah. for getting a, yeah. a game for basically like three quid and than um, spending
1: 40 or 50 quid on a brand new one from yeah Pink. exactly Game or somewhere, so, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um that was over twenty years ago, so you can't do me now. So um, yeah. it's fine, yeah. It's, so your it's, uh, limitations. Sure. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um that's enough about piracy and um because you know <laughs> you, you wouldn't steal a car, Greg.
1: So well, that's what well, exactly. You know. Well, yeah, I wouldn't steal a car. No. <laughs> Not anymore.
0: Uh okay, right. <laughs> right. Shall we have a look at what's been happening in Scotland over the last couple of weeks then, Greg?
1: Cue the jingle. Oh. Hello, this is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation
0: And here is what's been going on in the news Okay Greg, so what have you seen in Scotland over the last couple of weeks that has caught your
1: eye? Okay, so my first my first story this week uh, We've had similar stories uh, in this valley before We had one, I think you had one maybe last year about a haunted doll Well hmm. this is another This is another uh, story about a haunted doll. This is uh, Avon Hydes, who lives in Paisley. The story starts, A haunted doll, uh, which is in punctuation marks, quite rightly, uh, gifted to a paranormal investigator allegedly has the spirit of a teenager attached to it, the Scottish Ghost Company claim. So there's a Scottish Ghost Company that I did not know this. Wow. Yvonne Hines, who's an event organiser with the company, conveniently, received the gift last month, but became concerned when it began to move furniture and caused a knocking sound in her house. She claimed the toy made a knocking sound in the boot of her car until it was moved into the back seat. As well as communicating through a glass during a vigil, and now Yvonne says that further investigation says that after further investigation, sorry, they have discovered the doll has the spirit of a teenager called Teresa attached to it. They believe that Teresa was aged between 13 and 15, died in a fall, but the ghost didn't want to elaborate on whether it was deliberate or not. Uh, during an investigation on Saturday, November the 4th, at Bannockburn House in Stirling, the team sat the doll down <laughs> for a live streaming event and viewers claim to see a face peeking out the side of the doll. I've got a picture I've got a picture here. So there's a a, a picture of the doll in colour. It looks quite Mm -hmm. innocuous. And then there's another picture that's like the sort of negative of a photograph Now, because the doll has got a sort of dark coloured collar at the top of her dress, when it comes out on the negative, it looks like a big wide toothy grin (laughs) And there's like a sort of V-shape in her dress. So the wide toothy grin looks like it's got a little... Uh, sort a divily goatee like her mutual friend is trying to do <laughs> at the moment um, so it says a pair of eyes a nose and a mouth appear to be visible at the left side of the doll's face and the image was later inverted to make it clearer I'll share the, this picture uh, with our uh, oh, it's so hard not to say Twitter with our ex-followers and also on Instagram and we'll see what you guys think. Yvonne said that we we took the doll to Bannockburn House at our public event on Saturday night. One of the viewers thought she saw a wee face peeking out from beside the doll. She sent us the photo. I've inverted it and wow, it's not often the inversion picks up on features. We get sent photos all the time and the majority of the time, though here's a word I've never heard before, now I'm going to try and say it properly, uh, the majority of the time it's just pareidolia P-A-R-E-I-D-O-L-I-A Whatever mm. that is. We'll look it up in a minute. But this doesn't appear to be. Speaking previously about the spooky experience, Yvonne said, my friend and I were going up to us last Wednesday. That's where Take the Hydro was filmed. Uh oh, she yeah. I said that. Yvonne well, didn't say that. I don't, I don't know if Yvonne <laughs> knows. Um, she might know. Uh, my friend and I were going up to us last Wednesday. She didn't know about the doll at all. But whilst we were in the car, we both heard three knocks. I heard it, but I didn't say anything. My friend turned to me and asked if I heard the knocking. At this point the doll was still in the boot. The doll was still in the black bag in the boot. So I told her. We didn't hear it on the way back. Strangely, Since we brought her out and sat her in the back seat, I've not heard anything. Hmm. So, that's Yvonne and her haunted doll. Well, the doll just wanted
0: to sit in a comfy seat, didn't want to be locked in the boot, so I'm not surprised it was knocking.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I just take issue with the whole thing. So, the girl who claims to have a haunted doll works for the Scottish Ghost Company. She's an events organiser, you know, and we're not interviewing her friend here. She's just saying, oh yeah, my friend. There might not be a friend, Nikki. She might have been... She might just made the whole thing up. What was she going to Lust for? It's just a tiny wee place. Unless she wanted to go and see where Take the High Road was filmed. But you shouldn't mention that. You know? you think it's very it's just nice.
0: a big scam to get people involved in her ghost society.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. You know, you know me, I'm, I'm very cynical about. You know, we've had We've had ghost stories and claims of spooky goings on on the podcast before i just i think it's just a lot of attention seeking old bobbins but 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 what do you think
0: (laughs) well i saw this documentary um the other day on netflix and Mm -hmm. it was um i think it was called child's play and it was about this doll that got possessed by this murderer charles lee ray Mm -hmm. and i mean it was pretty accurate, I think, this documentary. Mm. And I believed it. You um, did. And, and the little doll, you know, he killed the kid's babysitter and tried to kill him and his mum. And it was, yeah, it was brutal.
1: That's appalling. And yeah. was it in the, do you think it will be in the, the day of the record or the Scottish? No.
0: It, it was American. So probably oh, it might yeah. have been in the the Chicago
1: Tribune Tick, or something. Yeah, TikTok or something like that. Yeah, TikTok, yeah. yeah. That'd
0: be it, exactly, yeah. Um, no, it, yeah, it's a little shite, obviously. There's, there's no such <laughs> thing as possessed dolls or or anything I like that nonsense. I, I don't believe in in anything like that. So, no, I would no. say she's havering shite and just trying to get people to visit the whatever it is she's doing um, in terms mm. of her little group. But, um, hey, fair play. If people believe it and if she believes it, then, you know, good on you and Good luck to yourself.
1: Well, I've just I've just looked up the words paradolia to see what it what it means. Uh, the Google explanation is uh, Paradolia is the tendency for perception to impose a meaningful interpretation on a nebulous stimulus, usually visual. So, for example, a, like a British a British plug socket upside down looks a wee bit like a happy face. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The two well, eyes and the mouth area, You know, It's more a kind of like, oh, face, isn't it? Rather than a yeah, happy face. A, yeah, okay. Like a sort of surprised emoji. Yeah. Um, so well, there you go. So well, whilst the story might have been pish, we've learned a new word. On the culture swally. There Paragoli. you go, Greg.
0: Every day is a learning day on the culture swally.
1: Wonderful. Absolutely. That that story would have been better for Halloween, but uh, anyway, never mind. It wasn't. It wasn't published in time for Halloween for their Halloween spooky episode, which is still well.
0: There. This um this episode will be going out the thirtieth of November, so it's just it's it's nearly a yeah. month from Halloween. So it kind of it's the Halloween anniversary we could say mm-hmm. it, it counts mm-hmm. as yeah.
1: Yep, but, absolutely. Anyway, that was my first uh, bit of havering this week. What's um what's your first story?
0: Uh, so my first story this week, Greg, comes from the Scottish Sun this week, and the headline is "Orange Flush." A veggie fanatic says eating ten carrots a day has given her a year round tan. By turning her orange, pals of pale Dena Rendell, twenty-one, feared she had suffered a makeup disaster when they noticed a flush to her face. But the customer services worker from Edinburgh says scoffing loads of her beloved root veg for nearly a decade has led to here's another word for you, Greg, carotenemia. <laughs> A usually harmless pigmentation. Dina spends around £40 a week on vegetables alone, including six kilograms of her beloved carrots. She said, I'm a blonde pale girl with very fair skin, but because I eat so many carrots, I have a tan all year round. When people ask me what tan I use, I tell them I just eat a lot of carrots. They think I'm (laughs) joking. I never get sick of them. Dina started crunching through one or two a day when she was 12, gradually upping her intake throughout her teens. But she briefly cut down to six after a photograph taken at her 18th birthday highlighted the stark colour contrast between her neck and her face. She recalled, I thought, oh my God, that cannot be real. I look like an Oompa Loompa. (laughs) But she soon went back to her normal 10 a day and insists she is rarely ill and never tempted by fake tans. She added, it's far healthier than sunbeds. I don't think... (laughs) I don't think it's worth risking the negative effects, so I think I'll stick with my carrots. Uh, (laughs) Carrot anemia is caused by the prolonged intake of foods rich in carotene, a pigment that adds a yellow colour to the skin. It's found in fruit and vegetables such as orange, squash, papaya, mango, carrots and cabbage. Carrot anemia is usually not serious and is treated by a reduction in carrots <laughs> <laughs> so, so Greg, this is our, uh, our young girl Dina from Edinburgh Who has a year-round tan just by eating carrots
1: But like, she surely hasn't woken up one morning and just suddenly had this big dark orange complexion, it must have been sort of gradual. Yeah, you right? would think it must have built up.
0: Yeah, it must have built up yeah. over a while. But yeah. But um yeah, she's and there's a photo of her in, in the sun. She has got like a, a a tan, but it does look it looks like she's applied fake tan very badly. Like it's patchy. Right. Like especially around her hands and stuff. Right. And yeah, I wouldn't say her face is particularly tanned either. So I don't know. Like her hands, it's exactly what it looks like. Like she's applied fake tan, but like hasn't washed off properly. But hey, yeah. it's healthier than sunbeds,
1: So so good well, on you yeah. for that. Yeah. So Because you, you used to go to the sunbed, didn't you? You yeah. f-
0: fucking prick. I knew you would bring this up.
1: <laughs> I knew you would bring this up. Right. You used, to, you used to have a nickname,
0: didn't you? Uh, well, yeah. I Some of the, the... Yeah, our friends still do call me Suntan. Yeah. Um, okay. I get, uh, right. Yes, I did. Because I got caught going to somebody's. Right. The reason being... <laughs> <laughs> this this would have been back in, uh, like, 2004, I think. So we're going back nearly 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I was going on holiday to visit my sister in Dubai. It was before I lived there. So I was living in Aberdeen. It was winter. I was going out for Christmas. Hadn't seen any sun since, fucking July, living in Aberdeen. And I thought, right, I'm going there. I was going there for, like, three weeks. And I was like, right, I, I don't want to get burnt, or I want to get a good tan when I'm there. So... I think I think a girl at work had said to me, like, you should go for a sunbed to, you know, get like a base kind of layer so that you're you're ready to go when you're there. Yeah. So that is exactly what I did. I went to a sunbed and I had a couple of sunbeds before I went to Dubai (laughs) because just to get ready and prepared for the tan. And then I went to Dubai and got a lovely tan, came back and everyone complimented me on my tan. and so when it started to fade a little bit, I thought I would top it up. Now, there was two reasons for this. The the first one was that obviously I wanted to look good, and I wanted to to top up my tan. The second reason was that the girl that worked in the sunbed shop was very cute, and I enjoyed going in and flirting with her quite a bit. So um, nothing ever happened, never asked, right? Because I guess she probably got it like constantly, but you know, I used to go and have a little flirt with her, and then I would just Nipping in a sunbed but Yes, I got caught one day um, because a couple of our friends drove past just at the perfect timing and they saw me going into the sunbed shop Uh, so yeah i was outed as a sunbed user and i don't think that was probably the last time i used i don't think i've ever been back since so um
1: yeah much easier to not get caught eating carrots you
0: know yeah i could have done actually i do like carrots so yeah maybe i should
1: have just done that i should have just
0: eaten a load of carrots and um yeah yeah, would have been a lot easier so your secret your secret (laughs) shame my secret my secret sunbed shame maybe i could sell my story to the sun now Uh, my, my secret sunbed shame, I was outed as a sunbed user, but secretly <laughs> I was just trying to fire into the girl behind the counter. Um, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was the secret of my year-round tan. People did ask me, oh God, you keep a tan really well. I was like, yeah, I do, because I've been topping it up with sunbeds. But yes, uh, we don't condone the use of sunbeds, obviously, because they're, they're not very healthy. Um, so if you want a year-round tan, eat some carrots. That's what dida tells us all to do. And um, hey she's done so know? if you want your hands to look like you've applied fake tan badly then go for that or go for a spray tan or something instead it's it's a lot healthier too anyway uh okay greg uh what else have you seen this week
1: well my next story uh is one is this, the type of story that we've not had for quite a while in the culture swally we did go through for a couple of years like almost every couple of weeks we had a story about people getting caught like shagging or people getting caught like wanking or whatever but um, we haven't had as many and I don't think we've had one of like a couple at it for a while so this comes from the Scottish Sun and the headline reads Bunker Up <laughs> 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 Shocking moment brazen couple have sex in a bunker on one of Scotland's most famous golf courses. Uh, a woman in a hiked up red dress was filmed straddling a man wearing a, a tuxedo style suit as he lay back at night, one of the Greensmen, <laughs> taking a picture, put it on maybe Twitter or something with the headline, Finishing up work at the, at the old course and saw this in the road hole bunker. Um, <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were spotted an infamous sand trap on the notorious 17th road hole on the old course in Andrews regarded as one of golf's hardest Par 4s. Footage was posted on social media by a stunned passerby. Not a passerby. Works in a fucking golf club. He's still passing by. Well, okay. The video was captioned, Finishing up work at the the old course and saw this in the road hole bunker. A, A source said, It's highly embarrassing this has happened to St Andrews, given its reputation as the historic home of golf. The course has a couple of swanky restaurants, so it could be a couple who have gone for a walk after a meal and got a bit frisky. But it could also be students... (laughs) <laughs> a bunker A bunker seems like a funny place to have sex, uh, given the chances of getting sand in places you don't want it. I have to I have to agree with that. Uh add in the fact that it's usually freezing at night. They must have really been in the mood. There were lots of red faces at the club when the video emerged as it doesn't sit well with their image. If they track them down, they'll be banned for life. <laughs> It's not the first time bunkers have been used for a bit of rough north of the border. Look <laughs> at this journalist's fucking own. Uh, in 2020... Glen Bervey Golf Club in still in Stirlingshire reported an increasing number of messages about unwanted behaviour. They included a couple engaging in sexual relations within a bunker. Brackets, yes, this was actually witnessed. Golf was first played at St Andrews around 600 years ago. I don't know if, if people have been having sex in bunkers for 600 years. I'm not sure. Probably. Um, probably. But the the golf club uh, has been contacted for comment. But as at the time of recording, they have yet to uh, to comment on the on the outrage. So they, I mean yeah sex in a bunker doesn't sound like you know it's like sex on the beach it's like all sandy and you know unless you put a towel down or something. I mean surely you're going to want
0: to go on the green because it's nice and smooth and flat I mean even the rough you know you, you, you're you going to be beasties and stuff in there but I mean the fairway would be okay as well but in a bunker fucking hell yeah it's just going to be sand everywhere it's horrible yeah, I couldn't think of anything yeah. worse like that's just going to be very uncomfortable.
1: Yeah and they'll be mortified that someone's fucking put it all over, uh, all over um, social media.
0: People <laughs> you know I mean oh, probably <laughs> delighted. Uh, you know, they're insta famous now, having sex in a bunker at St Andrews. You know how many people can say they've done that? Take that you think, off yeah, your bucket and sand list.
1: So famously, um, oh it's future, bucket and spade, isn't it? Yeah, bucket and spade. Yeah, famously, yeah. the future king and queen of uh, Great Britain and the Commonwealth met at St Andrews University. Do you think? Uh, you think uh, William ever gave Kate one in the bunker? On the golf course.
0: (laughs) So it was the 17th hole, was it,
1: Greg? Yeah, apparently it's a really hard par four.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm not touching that. I'm not going near that at all.
1: I know we don't live in the
0: UK. I'm no royalist at all, but I am not speaking about whether Will's got a hole-in-one with Kate on the seventeenth well, at St Andrews, yeah.
1: Or if he um, got a bogey. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't think. I think he. I. I think he definitely have been below par. I can't see yeah. him doing. I, I can't see him doing many more than sort of four or five strokes. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> it's probably probably begged for a mulligan. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, oh no! It's gone off. I wasn't ready. can I do it again. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oh dear. <laughs> One has gone off all over one's expensive <laughs> Louis Vuitton shoes I appear to have sliced it <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. just uh just as as long as one keeps out of one's rough, it'll be fine <laughs> uh
0: yeah, I couldn't possibly comment on that um. No, definitely couldn't comment on that. That's terrible, though. They're desecrating sacred land, effectively, Greg. Because Andrews is um, the home of golf, and it's a an institution in Scotland, and it's a yeah. effectively should have like a national kind of status. So it, they're desecrating, you know, a, a sacred land by having sex there in the fuck bunker, <laughs>
1: the seventeenth. Road hole fuck bunker. Yeah, Yeah. well, it wouldn't be my first choice of a of somewhere to have romantic relations uh, with a young lady. Put it that way.
0: Well, on the golf course (laughs) or just in general,
1: just anywhere sandy. You know, I just would. No. You know, just doesn't sound very nice, and unless of course you, you could put a beach towel down or something, but even then you run yeah. a risk of you might get carried away and roll off by accident, and then you know. oh yeah, but
0: even with a towel, the sand gets over the sides, and it's just it's a windy, pain in the arse yeah. and, Oh it's just a fucking nightmare. That's why I hate but the beach. Could be a I little hate pain the in the arse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate bunkers as well. Like, it's been a long time since I played golf and I, I, it's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to start playing again um, because I really miss it. But oh, I used to fucking hate getting in a bunker. And then I would got really good at it, actually. I got really good getting out of bunkers um, right. for a little period of time, I think because I just was in them all the time. And I, I practiced minute, so much.
1: Are we, and I got, are we still talking about sex here or what? <laughs>
0: No, I was talking about actual <laughs> golf. Oh, okay, um, right, sorry. And then I got I got really good at it. And then, um, yeah, I haven't played for so long. But yeah, um, no, not talking about sex. I'm really good at getting out of bunkers, what, having sex? Yeah, after I've had sorry. sex, I'm really good at getting out of bunkers, yeah. Uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah that's um, yeah, I could think of better places in a golf course um, to have sex than in a yeah. bunker. But
1: hey, fair play to them. I hope they enjoyed themselves. Yeah, me too. Good g- good for them. Oh, to be young and not fussy about where you get your whole... <laughs> yeah, true. Very true. Yeah. Anyway, that's my second story. What's your What's your next one this week? Well, it's been a while, Greg. But let's go to Falkirk
0: and see what's oh. happening in Falkirk. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh this is from the Falkirk Herald this week and the headline Sheriff Bans Man from Falkirk Library after threats over knitting group. <laughs> so this is Ian MacDonald 64 ranted that Falkirk Library, where members of the group gather weekly with needles and wool to swap patterns and tips, was being run by a lesbian sisterhood. <laughs> As staff tried to calm the six foot two inch MacDonald, he threatened to squash. Project Lead Librarian Tanya McGillan. Falkirk (laughs) Sheriff Court, heard today that this incident happened on Thursday, May the 11th of this year. Prosecutor Amy Stedden and MacDonald approached Miss Milligan's colleague, Librarian Amanda Webb. Miss Stedden said he inquired about the Women's Knitting Club, which takes place at the library, referring to them as old fogies. He was asked to desist from this behaviour. But again, express his displeasure about the group to Miss Webb. McDonald said that he was the library's main customer and complained. How can you be the main customer of a library? And explained that the establishment was run by women who he believed were against him. He was asked to take a seat whilst Miss Milligan, the manager, was called. When she arrived, MacDonald repeated that he wasn't happy about the library being run by women and that they should do what he told them to do. Miss Stedden said he was asked to leave the premises but began speaking over the staff, ranting and shouting. He said that they were just like the Nazis and that the (laughs) library was run by a lesbian sisterhood. Miss Stedden said MacDonald continued ranting that women were inferior to men and should do as they were told. This continued for 10 minutes, until Macdonald heard staff ringing the police, and he left. <laughs> he, was, he was arrested nearby, uh, and told police after caution, these lesbians are just being petty. They don't
1: know.
0: For goodness' sake, These lesbians are just being petty. They don't know who they're messing with. They're in trouble when I get out of prison. <laughs> Macdonald of Milne Place, Karen, admitted a p- breach of the peace. Solicitor advocate Martin Morrow, defending, said, All of this rather remarkable situation arose, without any particular reason at all. In a situation where Mr Macdonald was in the library every day, he's an articulate and intelligent man, and remorseful about things. There has been no repetition. He's <laughs> I can imagine, no. Uh, Sheriff Craig Harris deferred sentence on McDonald and told him he will receive uh, social work support and to return to the court in six months. He has banned him from entering the library in the meantime and he told him somebody who acts this way towards library staff could expect a prison sentence. So, Greg, uh, it would appear that Falkirk Library is ran by some sort of lesbian knitting mafia. (laughs) It's just like the Nazis. Yeah, just like the Nazis. And Mr McDonald believes that women should do what he tells them to do. I mean, this is just a a grumpy old man. He he sounds lovely, doesn't he? He sounds like an absolute fucking rocket. I mean, (laughs) you know, he's only 64. You know, it's not that old in terms of for his beliefs to be that way. Well these days no, it's not. It's absolutely ridiculous behaviour. So these, I mean, one question I have is, why is a knitting group meeting in a library? Because knittings can be quite loud with all the clacking. But <laughs> I don't know if they are actually knitting, but they're swapping tips and patterns and stuff. But still, they're meeting in the library. It's a, a local place, but he, for some reason, has taken offence to these women being there and says that they're a lesbian sisterhood.
1: Maybe they're maybe they're blocking the Harold Robbins books that he wants to take home for a, a posh wank. <laughs> I <laughs> think Maybe that's so? a problem that's he's by himself he's
0: it's desperate to get to the Wilbur Smith and go home yeah. and have a, a little read it's, of that
1: but it's just it's it just kind of getting near the jelly cooper books because these women are blocking the aisle with their with their noisy knit needles doesn't want to doesn't want to be seen taking a copy of Riders down off the shelf to <laughs> Do you think that's what Ian MacDonald, 64, is reading? Do you think he's
0: reading Riders by Jilly Cooper and going home <laughs> I and, and having a wank whilst watching the 340 at Ascot and <laughs> um, imagining he's the stable boy or something? <laughs>
1: but maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he lives alone. Maybe he's a lonely guy. Just wanted a bit of attention.
0: Well, he probably is if he's at the library every day. Why would you go to the library every day? Like, surely you would get a book, unless you read a book a day, but then you would take two books. That would do you two days. But I guess yeah. maybe he is lonely and just he gets out for the company. But yeah. if you're getting out for the company, surely you don't abuse the people that are there <laughs> exactly. by comparing them to Nazis, calling them a lesbian sisterhood and telling the lead librarian that he's going to squash her.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... And, the, and the, the, the sort of tragedy of it is if he does go to the library because he's lonely and whatnot, he you know, by himself... He's, going to get, he's now he's going to be banned from the library. So it's like one more place that he, yeah. he can't go, you know? Because the good thing about the library is it didn't cost anything. You know what I mean? As long as you return your books on time, it's free, right? Unless you want to yeah. hire, like, a DVD or a CD or a video game or something. If you're just going there for the books, it doesn't cost anything. And he's uh, their main customer, Greg, so he says. Yeah, maybe. well, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> so what? Uh, yeah, people are weird. But, yeah, it sounds to me like he's maybe um, a bit lonely and maybe... Maybe he's a few a few waves short of a shipwreck. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Yeah, possibly.
0: Well, <coughs> poor Ian. Um, I hope you get the help you need, and we'll um, I'll keep an eye on the Falkirk Herald and see. You. Your sentencing has been deferred for six months, so we're looking at April. So I'll keep an eye on the Falkirk Herald around about April yeah. and uh, see what's happening then.
1: I mean, I, I quite miss. It. I. Just, I mean, I. i think I was. I was still going to the library to get books out before I left. The UK to come to the Middle East because we, oh, li- really? we had the library. Yeah, for sure. Like when I was in Aberdeen, I was a member of the public library in Aberdeen, and that's a fucking brilliant library. Yeah, because the good thing about a library is you you know you can take your time and you might and you might end up taking a book out and reading that you it would never have occurred to you to. Because if you mm. if you if you're going to if you're going to buy a book, you know it's. It's a bit harder to make your mind up because you're parting with cash for the book, unless you know yeah. what book you're going for. Whereas at the library, you get got nothing to lose. If you you know you see something you like to look at, you take it home, you read it, you did not enjoy it. So fuck, it didn't cost you anything. just take it back, get something else out. Yeah, true. Perfect, perfect arrangement. But oh, but they don't have any libraries here, unfortunately, so i have they to do. buy my books. There is a big Dubai library. Yeah, but it'd be all Arabic books, wouldn't it? No, I think they've got lots of English books as well. Have they? I might yeah, be able to join the Dubai Library. It's on Wasl Road. Yeah, but they'll charge because it's Dubai. It won't be free there, will it? Um,
0: I don't know. You'd have to look yeah, that up. Yeah. But um, I'm just trying to do your public service here. You said you are missing it so much. I miss my library so much. Go and fucking join <laughs> it then. I <laughs> do. <laughs> Oh well. Oh, uh, anyway, um, have you seen
1: anything else this week, Greg? Just a very quick one. It's not a. It's it's one of the, it's sort of good news story. It's a sort of thing that we all dream of happening. A, a double glazing salesman called Fraser. He is a he collects Macallan whiskey memorabilia as opposed to the actual whiskey. Um, and he struck gold because he, he found a rare display case, which turns out is worth hundred and forty quid and he got it for less than two hundred pounds off eBay. It comes from Space Fraser. Sorry. Began- did you just say he's
0: yeah. he bought it for two hundred pounds, but it's worth a hundred and forty pounds? It's hundred and forty thousand pounds? Oh, you said one hundred and forty quid. Oh, so that's apologies. why. That's sorry. why I was confused.
1: Yeah, sorry. I was forty thousand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he began collecting uh, McAllen memorabilia after developing a taste uh, for the the ten year old McAllen. He was scouring through eBay. Uh, for branded merchandise and he spotted a listing for an empty display case. On closer inspection, he recognised it as belonging to a bottle of the Macallan 1926 60-year-old whiskey. So this was this is whiskey from 1866. Jesus. Um with a label designed by Valero uh, Adami. Uh, the whiskey itself came from the legendary cask 263 it filled only forty bottles worldwide. Um but only twelve of the only twelve of the bottles had the, the Valero Adami label on it. The double glazing salesman he placed a winning bid of £199 and was fair chuffed uh, when he won it off eBay. He explained my whiskey collecting began. ...when my wife presented me with a Macallan private eye. Uh, the perfect gift, but one I thought far too special to break the seal of. So I turned my collecting interests more to merchandise and memorabilia. I'd always appreciated the brilliance of McLaren branding and advertising, so finding and collecting the treasures from beer mats to bridge cards and a study of Albanian shopping malls, weird thing to say, was a pure joy. There's been much discussion between my wife and I as to what constitutes an obsession, or in her words, what is, a, uh, what is passion. When checking eBay one day, I could not believe my own eyes. The first image was a close-up of a tiny plaque inscribed with four numerals, 1926, and knew immediately where the plaque belonged and I opened the set of images, there it was, attached to the million dollar McAllen box. The case was missing the plinth and it had a hole board in the bottom, but it was undoubtedly the original home for one of the fabled 1926 McAllen bottles. Ten years later, Fraser decided it was time to sell some of his collection and so he got in touch with a broker called Mark Littler to get a valuation he was shocked to discover that the industry expert valued the case at £138,600 despite the fact that there was no bottle of whisky in it. Mark said, That's quite a difficult item to value. However, bottles of rare single malt whiskey missing their box regularly sell for between 15 and 30% less than those with their original box at auction. The £138,000 figure is based on 15% of the last bottle of 1926 Valero Adami that sold for £924,000. Uh, I understand that the valuation of the case might raise eyebrows and it's important to highlight the distinct nature of rare whisky collecting. The price tag, although an undeniably divisive price for a case, reflects the rarity and the desirability of the Macallan 1926 60-year-old whisky. For the individual who possesses the corresponding Macallan bottle, missing its original case, this box is not just packaging, it's a vital piece of the whisky's legacy, rendering it priceless. This is the box for the most expensive whiskey in the world. It is not the type of bottle you would open and drink. So where is the missing bottle that belongs to the case? The eBay seller that Fraser purchased the case from is probably as sick as a fucking dog, reading this, (laughs) um, was located in the south coast of England. So perhaps the bottle's there. Maybe someone has the bottle by inheritance and is completely unaware of its value. My advice would be to check the labels on any Macallan. You could have a fortune sitting on your shelf. So have you got any old bottles of Macallan whiskey in your your drinks cabinet, Nicky? No, I don't at all.
0: No. It's too bad. Not at all. What about yourself?
1: No, unfortunately, if someone buys me a bottle of McAllen whiskey, I've usually tanned it within a couple of weeks (laughs) Um, because it is is one of the malts that I really do like. Yeah. Um, But I mean, we all, I think we spoke about this before in the swally, but we all, certainly you you and I collect different things between us. Mm. We dream of finding something for a bargain somewhere in the world and it being worth yeah. an absolute fortune. That's the yeah. collector's dream. Of
0: course. You want to stumble across something that someone has and they don't know what it's worth.
1: <laughs> you can just shiv them. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what you want. That's the dream. Anyway. Anyway. That was uh, my last story.
0: Fantastic, Greg. Well, if you have seen anything in the news you'd like us to cover, or if you've got anything you'd like us to cover on the Culture Swally, you can get in touch with us on cultureswally at gmail.com, or you can follow us on the socials. We're on Insta at Pod, or we are on X, formerly known as Twitter, at swallypod. Now, before we go into what we're going to be talking about today, let's have a little word. From our sponsors. And our sponsor on this episode is Doric Skateboards. Doric Skateboards is a skateboard brand created by Gary Kemp, whose main focus is to explore the people and culture of Aberdeen and the north east of Scotland and to create designs that reflect that area. Doric Skateboards screen print their own decks in their studio by Gary's Fair Hand. And they've produced some amazing designs over the years, including an Annie Lennox-inspired board, a Robert the Bruce deck, and a plenty of pop deck inspired by the old Bonacord trucks that used to drive around Aberdeen delivering fizzy drinks. Dorrit skateboards also replicate these amazing designs onto their clothing on 100% organic cotton tees hoodies and sweatshirts and you can fill your boots on stickers, pin badges, beanies, caps and a whole lot more. Gary regularly collaborates with local artists to ensure he brings the latest designs to the market but always with a Doric twist including their amazing new Northfield tower design. Check out Doric Skateboards for yourself on doricskateboards.com and follow them on Instagram at Doric Skateboards to see the amazing designs that they have on offer. And we are delighted to be able to offer you 15% off as listeners to this podcast. All you need to do is head to DoricSkateboards.com, have a look at the amazing deck, stickers, badges, hoodies, tees and hats, everything they have on offer and enter the promo code Swally. that's S-W-A-L-L-Y, all in block capitals, same with the name of this podcast, to get your 15% off. That's DoricSkateboards.com.
1: Okay, so it was your turn this week, uh, Nikki, to choose our film. So what are we talking about today? Well,
0: Greg, today this episode will be going out on St Andrew's Day, the patron saint of Scotland. So I've picked something... Featuring the patron saint of the swally, James Cosmo. So today we're going to be looking at the 2018 film, Netflix film, Outlaw King. Directed by David Mackenzie, who we have featured on the pod recently when we covered his film Young Adam and set in Scotland during the 14th century. The story of Outlaw King follows the Scottish king, Robert the Bruce who starts a rebellion against the English Empire after the fall of William Wallace and leads his small group of fighters in a battle against the much larger and better equipped English cavalry, starring Chris Pine, Florence Pugh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Tony Curran, and of course, James Cosmo. Um, I saw the film online referred to as Braveheart 2, Scottish Boogaloo. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it was um it was my first viewing greg because you know i have an aversion to things set before the 1960s mm-hmm. um yeah. despite the fact that i i do love braveheart and i love rob roy and spoiler alert i love this uh but you watched this when it first
1: came out, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I was, I was, I was anticipating this film. Well, I was sort of nervously anticipating it because you know, Braveheart casts a big shadow. It's great fun, Braveheart, but you know, if you sort of look under the film's fingernails, you know, there's a lot. It's a wee bit. It's sort of like. Fun like a kind of film like Ben-Hur or The Ten Commandments or something like that, only with more people getting decapitated and Mm. stabbed in the bollocks. And, then you know, famously, it takes a lot of liberties with uh, the history that it's based on. So with this one, I was kind of, I sort of saw it as a bit of a spiritual sequel to Braveheart, which it is in quite a lot of ways. You know, it sort of follows on in that timeline. And I was really worried that it would be it would be rubbish, especially when I saw that Chris Pine, mm. famously American actor Captain Kirk, uh, probably his most famous part. He's also in Wonder Woman with uh, Matt Costello, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> he, <laughs> who amazingly is not in this.
1: <laughs> yeah, like perhaps one of the few Scottish actors not to get called up for it. And so I was a bit nervous about it, but I thought. You know, I'll go in with the right intentions, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um I was a bit disappointed that it didn't go as far in the sort of history of Robert the Bruce as mm. you know, as a, as a, I felt it should have done. But I thought Chris Pine thought his Scottish accent wasn't bad for an American. You no, know, it's not bad. It's not great. But it's not bad. You know, and I, uh, I thought his
0: Scottish accent was great. I mean, I'll be honest, yeah. I. I read a lot of criticism online about his Scottish accent and it was all from Americans, mm. funnily enough. Like anything I read from a Scots person said his accent's good. But yeah. all, all the um, every American review I read or watched on YouTube or listened to on a podcast, like his Scottish accent's terrible. And I'm like, it's pretty good. <sighs> One person I listened to um, did kind of give it away because they were like, yeah, it's not like pronounced. And I'm like, right, you're expecting groundskeeper Willie. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's what you're expecting. where he's got like a soft kind of Edinburgh brogue accent he does, yeah. in this film. You know the good thing about it though, it was consistent. He kept it, it up was. the whole. It didn't go up or down or waver. He kept the same accent the whole film, mm-hmm. and that's why it worked. And I, 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 took my hat off to him for his accent. He kept it simple, and mm-hmm. it worked. Didn't take me out of yeah. it.
1: Yeah, and you could you could say you know Robert the Bruce uh, came from a rich family. Well yeah. educated for the time, well raised. You know, they, they, there's an argument to say, well, that's why he speaks with a softer accent and etc., you know? Well what he would have done because he was a lowlander, so he would have spoken with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in
0: fact the argument is he would have actually probably spoken French, like because yeah, they, yeah, that's what he was. But obviously but he would have spoken with a, a kind of softer um scottish brogue um to pick up on your point earlier i mean this is there's no avoiding this is constantly going to be compared to braveheart especially Mm. by non-scottish audiences and Mm -hmm. i've seen that a lot online people that's exactly why i said braveheart to scottish boogaloo um (laughs) it's impossible not to compare the films but although braveheart it really has its place and it will always hold a special place in my heart but we both agree that it's a fucking ridiculous film in terms yeah. of the historical inaccuracies and the, just the ridiculousness. And it's Mel Gibson, and it, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas Outlaw King is a really gritty, more realistic film. and yeah. I watched an interview with David McKenzie, a director, and he said that he, and I can't believe for one second he really did think this, but he he came across so sincere in the interview. He said, yeah, I just, I didn't even think about Braveheart when I was filming this. And I didn't even think people would bring up the comparison. But it seems every interview I've done, people are linking it, but this is very much its own film. And Mm. it's true. It is. And, I think for me, and and I guess you probably agree, I I don't know if you'll agree, but I'm putting words in your mouth there, but one of the worst things about Braveheart is the portrayal of Robert the Bruce as a a traitor against William Wallace. which Which was just not true. And this, I think, kind of rectifies that by showing that, I mean, Wallace isn't in the, well, his arm is, but he's not (laughs) in the film. Apparently he was in the original four-hour cut of this film. Right. Because the original version was four hours long and William Wallace was in it. But... Uh It was it was cut back. Um, yeah, the original version was four hours long. Then Mackenzie cut it back to two and a half hours, and that was screened at the Toronto Film Festival, and it got pretty shitty reviews. And then he cut it back to the two hours one minute that we have seen on Netflix, and the critics actually reevaluated it and were like, "Yeah, this is a lot better actually." I really right. like this film now, and we'll come to that. I do think there are some pacing issues in this film, but yeah, yeah, I really like it. I, I think it's a it's a lot more kind of gritty and real than Braveheart, but then you're comparing completely different timelines. Braveheart was, what, 96, 95? 95? 95. yeah. 95, 95, 95. 95. yeah. yeah. You know, you're speaking nearly, you know, 23 years mm-hmm. difference. Yeah. Um, You know, films have <laughs> evolved so much more. I had to do the quick math there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, filmmaking and, and films have evolved so much that it's, it's different that you're expecting. And yeah. I think nowadays you do want a more gritty realistic film and this well delivers it in droves doesn't it
1: well the thing is i read um i recently read neil oliver the scottish historian he's about he's become a bit of a devi- a bit of a divisive um sort of personality neil oliver in the mm. uk he's you yeah. know he's, he's he's sort of kind of leans a wee bit to the right um but he um he made a documentary about must be about twenty years ago called A History of Scotland and it was really good. And I read um the accompanying book, um, which is also which is written by him only a few months ago. And they this hist- this sort of part of history in Scotland, from sort of John Beloy all the way up to uh James the First of um, anyway, it was James the Fourth of Scotland, but he became James the First of England, the son of Mary, Queen of Scots. It's quite an interesting and exciting part of history, and it lends itself incredibly well to like a you know like a historical epic, uh, like sort of like this and and, and like Braveheart, you know. Um, and you don't really need to take a great you know well based on what I read in Neil Oliver's book, you don't need to take a great deal of liberty with any of the events. Mm. Because you know, it's like every every sort of year or two there's like some huge incident, whether it's a battle, somebody getting chibbed in a church, uh somebody getting thrown out of a window <laughs> like in Stirling Castle or something like that. Um and what, what what I liked about this film, although, you know, it's not like they but you know, they obviously Robert the Bruce is the hero of the film. Yeah. So he has to Behave like a hero. You know, they, they the reality is, is that the historians suspect that Bruce was probably quite cold and ambitious. Mm. He was a bit of you an arsehole, I think. Yeah, well, we probably know more than any other sort of person in power back in those days. You know, he, he wanted to rule Scotland and he wanted the financial you know, he came from money and he wanted his mm. position to be secure. And you know, he, he probably stepped over quite a few people to to do it. like Famously, John Cromlin, (laughs) who he he did did stab to death in a church. Hmm. Um, And I I did wonder if they would show that in the film. And I did wonder how they would reconcile that with Robert the Bruce in this film being this amazing sort of freedom fighter and man of the people as he's he's portrayed to be in the movie. And the thing is, he does, you know, Cromlin tells him that he's going to shop him to Edward. Mm. And he just fucking stabs him. And then the, the priest is like, you know, confess and he absorbs him and everybody just gets on with it. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, it was kind of a, right,
0: you know, Crumlin was very much a, uh, right, you're going to try and overthrow Edward. I'm going to go and mm. tell him. He's going to hang you and I'll get the crown. So yeah, yeah. it's very much a, right, it's me or you. Like, I'm, Yeah. yeah. he's going to go and tattle tale. I'm going to get hung. Might mm. as well just fucking kill him. And then you know, thankfully, yeah. Ron Donaghy's like, "Ah, oh, it's fine. Just fucking yeah,
1: let these him things off happen. It. It's
0: fine. Yeah. Just do a confession.
1: Mm-hmm. You're absolved. It's yeah. fine. It's okay. Yeah. A little bit of banter. That actor wasn't even Scottish, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I thought they did sort of, you know, they kind of kind of hurried past that, mm. which I th- you know, which I suppose they kind of had to, really. But apparently, by all accounts, Cromlin was a more popular sort of choice mm. for King than Bruce was by by all accounts, which is probably why he really stabbed them. Um, mm. Yeah, but uh, but so yeah, but no, I think I think you know coming back to the pacing, you know that you mentioned the other David Mackenzie film that we covered quite recently, uh, Young Adam in the summer, and I mean you know we spoke a lot about it and how much we both enjoyed the film, but his pacing of that film was very deliberate and he really takes his time to tell the story and get the performances out of the actors in that film and you know with a film like this I th- you know I, it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that there's a 4 hour cut of this somewhere mm. because i suspect that his tendency based on young adam is he wanted to have a lot more of the politics and the talking and all that sort of thing, you know, and, and whereas because people would have an expectation of this film, as I did, thinking it'd be like Braveheart, you you know, you kind of want to get to the, the battles, which are really, really well done. The battle scenes mm. are fantastic in it. You know, like, to your point, they're very realistic. You know, in Braveheart, some of the battle scenes were a wee bit, you know, like, there were some great moments, but if you look in the background, it's just the extras sort of banging swords together. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so they're not a bit cartoony, whereas the the violence in this uh feels is really visceral and really quite uncomfortable at times. But you you kinda you kinda just want to get to that, you know. So I, I understand why people maybe weren't that enamoured of a big long four hour cut. And if you wanted to tell a story like that, then maybe some sort of limited TV show would have been a better option it might have suited them better yeah I think
0: yeah this would have been suited I think for like a a four or six part kind of HBO Mm -hmm. series like it would have gone Mm. down really well however don't get me wrong in terms of the pacing like I I think it's great because I like a nice tight film um, yeah, because similar to Braveheart, there are quite a f- you know a few scenes you like. I could do without that. I could do without like that. Whereas here, yeah. it just seems like it's it is just like bang, 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 bang. Like you know, all right, Cosmo's dead. Great. Okay, bang. Mm. On to the next one. Uh, King yeah. Edward's literally just says yeah i kind of stumbled the other day like i wonder mm. if i'm okay next scene he's dead like bang, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no fucking around you know we'll come on to fucking black duncan later on when he's just like i'm gonna go and take my castle gonna get three men take five bang next scene he's got five men <laughs> right outside the castle and you're like normally in a film there would be like at least five minutes here of just kind of build yeah, up yeah. or something but it's like no fucking around can i take five minutes it's a it's a day's walk away yeah yeah take five men okay cool bang they're right outside the castle bang, they're in the yeah. castle, bang. You know, it's it, there's no fucking around here. It just is yeah, yeah. straight. And it's two hours and one minute long, but mm. there's no fat. I mean, one of the longest scenes really is probably the sex scene that kind of like <laughs> does go on maybe a bit too long in terms of the pacing. <laughs> but I guess yeah, yeah. you've paid for Florence Pugh. You might as well <laughs> show as much as you can. Um, but, <laughs> but there is... Uh, i think the pacing actually works um because of it's just you know getting there and just it's it's just constant you mentioned the battle scenes earlier i mean we'll probably come back to them later on but i that's one thing braveheart it is very much and again it's of its time because there's 23 years difference but the braveheart scenes it's all over the top kind of slash and okay there's a lot of gore in braveheart but a lot of it does seem kind of over the top whereas this there's a lot of gore in this but it's it's kind of realistic and you don't see ridiculous see like legs getting chopped off or yeah, you know yeah. heads getting chopped off it's 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 almost more realistic if, if you know what i mean but mm. what i loved about the battle scenes here they just look fucking dirty and there's just dirt and blood everywhere and yeah. it you're kind of at times you're not knowing where to look because there's so much action going on everyone in the background is fighting and it's just battle and the one thing i absolutely loved is after every battle scene everyone looks just fucking knackered yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is realistic if you've just been fighting for like yeah. three four hours you're gonna be fucked <laughs>
1: yeah yeah because i think it's like it's probably the most famous battle that we see in braveheart is the battle of sterling although it's actually the battle of sterling bridge if you want to be, get all historical <laughs> and, be, and be accurate about it um but it's like it's on like a lovely sunny day you know what i mean like lovely blue <laughs> sky lovely sort of lovely just cut field of grass and everything. Like, the big battle in this like the, toward the end, it's, it It feels like you're in Scotland because the fucking... It's been pissing with rain. The sky's like all... Like, that low sort of heavy cloud sky late afternoon, early evening. You know what I mean? The, the fucking... The field's all waterlogged and like, to your point, people are fucking up to their tits and bloody mud and blood and everything and, and it's a real you know they like it's you know they're sort of really struggling together there's no sort of heroic sort of uh William Wallace with his big sword running in and Wiping off legs and heads and everything, oh. it's like everyone's like on top of each other and scrambling yeah. over each other. And there's a bit where uh, Black Douglas um, is like hitting people with his sort of chainmail cowl because he's lost his sword. And yeah, you know they're they're just hitting each other with whatever they can get to hand. You know, it's there's no chivalry. You know, he's uh, one minute he's got his sword, next minute he's got his sword, and he's got like a, a a small knife as well and everything. And yeah, I mean it. It feel and it does. You do feel like well. When these guys, in reality, went to battle, they're fighting for their fucking lives. So yeah. it's you know it's whatever you know if they've got to pick up a boulder off the ground and they bang somebody's they brain somebody with it or or strangle them or drown them in mud or whatever they're going to do whatever it takes because it's 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 sort of that it's it's kind of him or them you know and yeah. you do get you get a sense of that in this film.
0: No, there's <clears> no like epic. Swinging your broadsword around like you're on the front cover of Hero Quest, you are mm. just fucking battering the sword any mm. way you can, fighting dirty. And yeah. as you say, in terms of the landscape, it, as Robert the Bruce beautifully says, you know, they, they would take our land, but they don't know our land. Yeah, we'll not try and match strength. We'll use the land to our advantage. And it's a beautiful yeah. moment when the English are charging, and then it just starts pissing with rain, and yeah. you just see Chris Pine smile as if to be like, yeah. fuck <laughs> it. We fucking got you. We've yeah. got you because yeah, we know exactly. how to we know how to work yes. under these conditions. We fucking <laughs> yeah. got you. It's Neither like claimed. you know, it's like if um, you know if a, if a team from Tenerife United come and play Aberdeen at Pitodri and it's snowing, we're like, we fucking got you because yeah, <laughs> yeah. we know how to play you on this turf. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I thought the battle scenes were were fantastic. So obviously, the film tells the story of Robert the Bruce. Um, it's it's kind of the royalty in... and scotland has died scotland needs to crown a new king i think it was the um it was a i, I don't know who it was to be honest i should have looked that up but it was a, a young queen who died um drowned
1: it was, uh, john beloy had been the last king who had died and he had mm-hmm. left scotland with no uh, king so mm-hmm. the nobles asked edward to help them choose a monarch and edward's I'm paraphrasing here, basically said, no need for that. (laughs) I'll I'll just rule. Yeah, I'll I'll just rule. So then there was a rebellion led by Wallace, uh, which obviously failed. So the start of the film has the remaining Scottish nobles who didn't rebel uh, pledging a a sort of renewed allegiance to to Edward. Um, But obviously, even though they've done that, there is dissension uh, Among some who feel that Edward has no rule over Scotland and, um, and Scotland should crown its own king. And but who's
0: You do get the feeling, as Conlon kind of says, like, we're tired fighting like we've tried it wallace tried it and we failed yeah. and yeah. it's almost like we're done we can't be arsed but it, it does take the the death of wallace to kind of trigger because because robert is kind of going along with the status quo you can tell he's kind of not happy with it but he'll go yeah. along with it because it's what his dad wants yeah yeah but then obviously his dad dies and then it's kind of like and then when they kill wallace he's like right fuck it yeah let's his just dad, fucking
1: do it his dad sort of sows, you know, and yeah. brilliantly played by Cosmo, because he starts off with, look, we need to just, you know, he's an old friend of Edward's, he's been away crusading with him um, when they were younger, and he says, that we just need to, we just need to toe the line, this would be great, it'd be good for all of us, Edward will, you know, he'll, when things settle down, he'll help us to, it'll be us, he'll help us, he'll, he'll he'll put us in power, blah, 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 and then the last scene that we see with Cosmo and Pine before Uh, Cosmo's character passes away he's like not sure that that we can trust Edward and he sows the seeds then you know so that's him sort of giving he's kind of given Bruce permission to go after his ambitions
0: I mean despite the fact that him and Edward trained a monkey to shoot a bow and arrow and ride a horse
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's pub talk isn't it oh yeah see this see i was in Gibraltar, all right me and my buddy we we fucking that ne- fucking knocked one of the monkeys do you see the monkeys that are cutting about all the time knocked one of them and took up to the hotel see by the end of the week it was fucking making cocktails and everything man see the birds be pulled because of that monkey untold by the way
0: Do you think that's cosmo on his deathbed just giving his son <laughs> A wee better yeah. a drunken patter to impress him. Yeah about
1: a he's monkey fucking... train to shoot a bow and arrow. He's fucking off his tits on poppy milk, so yes, listen to what he's saying <laughs> Did I ever tell you the the time, Robert, when I went to the Holy Land to fight. I bought a small monkey on a chain. Moses, the Christian <laughs> 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 All the hours me and King Edward spent
0: Training Moses. In the end, he he could ride a horse.
1: He could even fire a tiny bow and arrow that Edward himself had fashioned. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, obviously, leads Robert the Bruce to lead up a rebellion against the English, which obviously is the rest of the film, effectively. So, I guess, to talk about the cast, I mean, we've got Chris Pine as Mm. Robert the Bruce. A bit of a strange choice. Again, so this is the third kind of film we've covered in this vein. Yeah. On the Swally, Braveheart, Rob Roy, Outlaw King. And none of the leads have been Scottish. Um, yeah. Why? I mean, okay <laughs> at the, and, and, you know, we could go back to this time But at this time, there were quite a few candidates That yeah, could have probably sure. played Robert the Bruce However, I won't take anything against Chris Pine He's fucking great That's, in this He's great,
1: he's great in it I think. Yeah. It's, and I, I was listening today, I was listening to The Rewatchables, uh, this week's episode And it's about Robin Hood's mm. Prince of Thieves And they're talking about, you know, how Kevin Costner came to play Robin yeah. Hood And, and <laughs> You know they're like you know it's like one of those act one of those characters that where people how do you fancy playing Robin Hood? Oh yeah, or how do you fancy playing Batman? Or how do you fancy playing Superman? Or or Elliot Ness or what? Are these sort of like either real life or mythical sort of heroes? Mm. And I wonder you know like with, with did you, with you say these, Superman's a real life hero? Effect? I said <laughs> or or. Mythical heroes, I said. Okay. Um, but like with Neeson doing Rob Roy, I sort of get it because you know he's Irish and yeah. Scottish. Scottish and Irish history is quite interlinked, like for goods and for bad. So I know I mean, Rob Roy is obviously a classic. Although he's a real guy, he's sort of like a classic romantic hero because of the mm. the Walter Scott book. um so I understand Neeson, you know, pretty fancy playing Rob Roy because like Neeson at that time he was still riding high off Schindler's List, you know. Yeah. Mm. Then you got you got you got Gibson doing Braveheart. I mean, at that time, Mel Gibson could do whatever the fuck he wanted. He was yeah. arguably one of, if not, you well, know, certainly one of the most famous Hollywood stars in the world before he completely fucked it.
0: Are there any Jews like, in Scotland? No. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> We're going. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, you've got, you got Chris Pine, who he's already played an iconic character in his career. He's done three Star Trek films playing Captain Kirk. The only hmm. other actor to play Captain Kirk, apart from Shatner. And it's like, you know, how do you fancy playing this real hero of Scottish history? And, he, you know, he's, he's probably read about Robert the Bruce and thought to himself, fucking, yeah, let me let, let, let me see if I can get the Scottish accent down and then sign me up. It sounds great, you know. And I could I, I totally understand. But it makes it makes the film very bankable. You know, he's he's a better actor than say Gerard Kelly. I can't I, I could can sort of imagine Gerard Kelly doing it actually. Gerard Kelly. Gerard,
0: Gerard Kelly.
1: Butler. Gerard, Gerard Butler.
0: Kelly. I would fucking love to see Gerard <laughs> Kelly as Ro- Robert Bruce. <laughs> fucking dancing about. <laughs> oh it's
1: a we spider there. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never get out of this cave as long as that spider's there. Um, Gerard. <coughs> of course, of course I meant to say Gerard Butler. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, I'm, <laughs> I'm
0: just going to be thinking all day about Gerard Kelly. It's Robert the Bruce. Robert the Bruce. <laughs>
1: Hear you, you English bastard. It's
0: definitely a, a different reason he wouldn't be sleeping with Florence Pugh on the wedding night.
1: Yeah. Yes, I know. Um, Yes, yeah, so I could you know and then McGregor, probably too expensive at this point. He probably wouldn't want to do it anyway. It's not really his cup of tea these days to do something. I, uh,
0: he's a bit too like old that. as well. He's not the right fit for it, I would say. Yeah. Um, be a bit old. The only one I would have thought of maybe would have been like Richard Madden, I think, might have been, but is he a bit too hmm. wee, possibly, and a
1: bit too? I think I, I think Richard Madden's problem, and he's a good actor. He's a great actor. But he's not a very charming actor. It's rarely, mm. rarely he, rare he plays the hero. Like in Game of Thrones, I know you never really watched it, but he, he's like one of the prominent characters in the first two series, and he's he's supposed to be a heroic character, and he is in some ways, but he's not. You know, he's this. It's just, it's hard to warm to. And I can't imagine him leading a film like this and, mm. you know, because, it, it you know, he need a bit of pathos, you need a bit of charisma and everything. And I'm not saying that he's not a charismatic guy, I'm sure he probably is, but as, The roles that I've seen him in, you know, he's he's not—he's—he never really plays characters who you really, you really sort of root for. Do you know what I mean? mean, In my experience, the ones I've seen him in, anyway, I've not seen everything that he's done, but that's just my sort of feeling on him. Um, he certainly looks the part, you know, sort of that—he's got dark hair, he's kind of physical, often a a kind of physical actor as well. But I think, I think, you know, in, in terms of what they want to do with the idea and character of Robert the Bruce, I think Pine completely gets it you know i think he totally understands what he's there to do you know can i throw james mcavoy your way no i can't imagine mcavoy he's too wee he's a a fucking five foot five mcavoy that's true (laughs) (laughs) true. um no i look i'm not taking anything away i thought chris pine was fantastic
0: as robert the bruce and and very kind of he embodied it like i say i won't hear a word said against his accent i thought he was good Mm. he showed passion i watched quite a few interviews with him um, about mm. the role. And he really did seem to really, you know, it wasn't just a paycheck for him. He really, yeah, yeah. he knew the history. He knew the story. He said that every day he would go in like an hour early and spend an hour with his dialect coach and practice, yeah. you know, Scottish accent. And like I say, I, I can't fault it. I think it's, yeah. It's, say, the main thing I have to say is it's consistent
1: throughout the whole film. And, and th- that is a thing- big thing for me. And the thing is as well, it's consistent when he shouts. I always, yeah. I always imagine, you know, if you're like a gifted actor who's good at doing accents, I always imagine that the hardest part of doing it is raising your voice. Mm. And especially, and especially, you know, he's, there are moments when he's got to shout across a battlefield in those, yeah. especially in that, at the, at the end, the the, the kind of the final battle at the end of the film. I always imagine that must be harder. It Must be harder to kind of keep your accent because, you know, Gibson. To be fair, he does his best with his Scottish accent, and it's become a bit of a. Something to kind of poke fun at a wee bit. But when he's shouting, it wobbles a wee bit. You can hear his sort of American, little bit of Australian twang Coming through when he's shouting and doing his big rousing speech, yeah, you, you sort of, you sort of let it go because that speech is probably the best part of the fucking film, you know, it just yeah. gets you going, right? But when, and, but he's he's a lot more consistent when he's just talking at a normal volume and it's a conversational scene. Whereas Pine can he can he's, he can do it all, he can is completely consistent all the way through, regardless of what the scene calls for him to do, you know.
0: I think um, one of Gibson's faults um, is especially when he's shouting hold because it does sound yeah. quite Australian when he's shouting that. And yeah. there's obviously a very similar scene in the final battle here. Where yeah. The yeah. advancing and they have the spears. And I did kind of laugh that Chris Pine is, he's not saying hold. He basically was yeah. like, wait. <laughs> Ready. <Yeah. laughs> Almost. And then he does let it slip at the end. Hold. No. <laughs> it's like, <"No!"> he's <laughs> yeah. like, obviously trying not to say hold because it's Braveheart. And you cannot tell me for one absolute second there that that was not in the mind um, of the director in terms of him saying he never thought about Braveheart when he was filming it but he's purposely not let him say hold come on
1: yeah I'm sure yeah I'm absolutely sure of it yeah I I, I don't buy that I never thought of Braveheart because you know he, he might have had a rule on the set where he might have but it said, listen, let, do me a favour. Let's not talk about Braveheart. Let's not even yeah. think about it while well, we're making this film. We're making our own thing here. We want to make something original, blah, blah, blah. Which you completely understand. I guarantee you, there's probably people working on that film that worked on Braveheart. <laughs> I'm sure of it. You know, there'll be like, yeah. oh, these old j- these old journeyman grips and technicians and all that be like, listen, that, on the set of Braveheart, Gibson was a lot nicer than this fucking Mackenzie cunt. way. <laughs> <laughs> Just wants to spend four hours with Chris Pine's cock out you know? and <laughs> up.
0: Um, and I guess uh, I mean Robert's right-hand man is Angus, played by Tony Curran, Angus,
1: Angus Og, Lord of the Isles. To give <sighs> him his full title. I'd love to be a Lord of the Isles. What a yeah. great thing to be able to call yourself. Fucking uh, yeah. What's Fantastic. the what's what's the what's the table booked under? Uh, Greg Hurst. Uh, Lord of the Isles. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you could give yourself that title, I'm sure. I'm sure you could just <laughs> yeah. bestow it upon yourself. Uh, Claim dominion over the Isles.
0: Yeah. I mean, Curran, again, is fantastic. Huh? Curran's just brilliant in everything, though, isn't he? Well, just...
1: but, but, but Curran, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I suspect that this is probably... He's done this himself. He's not been asked to do this. So he, he you know... He's from the north, like Orkney, mm. Shetland and everything. Mm-hmm. Tony Curran doesn't come from there, but he knows how those people sound. Yeah, So that's how he talks, But that soft, almost sort of musical uh, accent that that people talk like that, you know, the that, that people talk with up in in that part of the world, you know, the red hair. He look, you know, they they they're sort of descended from Vikings, you know, as we know, like famously in Sh- We did the Shetland episode. We spoke about the festival that they have and everything. So he's got that red hair. He's got looks sort of. He's got that sort of Scottish Scandinavian look about him. Mm. But crucially, he's doing the accent. He's talking. Yeah. The way that people from that part of the world talk. Well, because I had written down initially,
0: like when we we're kind of introduced to him, the first few scenes. I'm like, why is Tony curran doing that accent? Why isn't he just <laughs> doing his normal accent, which is Scottish enough? Yeah, yeah. To do that, and then of course, as the film develops, you realise that he is from the Isles, mm. and I'm like, ah, that's fucking genius that he's yeah. been doing that. Absolute genius, and yeah, absolutely remarkable. Um fantastic performance one of the highlights for me is when he oh, he's brilliant comes off the boat and meets his wife and she <laughs> yeah. just slaps him across the face where the fuck have you been <laughs> like yeah. you said you'd be a month it's been three months <laughs> like he's yeah he's uh, he's brilliant and he's basically Bruce's right hand man Angus yes just, yeah, yeah. He, he's got so much to do with the whole film Um, but yeah absolutely brilliant uh, performance from Tony
1: Curran oh great He's great, there's so many good moments You know, it's one of those You know, I suppose You're you're, you're kind of A a few of the important characters Get sort of bumped off During Mm. the course of the film so you know, they, when that happens in a film, you, you kind of think, "Oh, well, there's that's a, that's that's yeah. two of Bruce's brothers away." You know, a, 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 this a, anything could happen to anybody now. But he, uh, spoilers, he's 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 there right at the end, uh, yeah. celebrating the victory.
0: You're waiting for it, aren't you? At certain yeah. points, you're thinking, "He's yeah, he's going to be gone," but no, yeah. thankfully not. And again, it's a beautiful the Kind of the, the 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 last battle, you just see him looking absolutely fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <And laughs> It's, yeah, he's given it his all, but you know, he's, they've prevailed well, and, and won.
1: Yeah. And he gets emotional, right? When he yeah. realizes that they've won, it, it, it kind of breaks, it kind of breaks down a bit and gets choked up. And you can you sort of imagine if you get to the end of a battle and you realize that you've still got all your, Arms, legs, fingers—you're um, not bleeding profusely, and the battle's over, and you've survived. You know, amidst this fucking carnage, you're going to get a bit emotional, right? Like, yeah, of course. Guy, yeah. F- footballers cry when they win the fucking the league or the Champions League or or whatever. You know, and, and you understand the—you uh, know—they get you get overtaken with the emotion. But no one's life's at stake in the final of a football game or a sporting event, but in a historical battle. <laughs> you know, he's fucking like, up to your knees and blood, muds, limbs and everything. You're like, fucking how the fuck did they come through that? <laughs> well, you and your
0: 499 other mates have just defeated 3,000 Englishmen. You're going to yeah. be pretty chuffed with yourself and probably going to let out a little tear of just absolute emotion <laughs> yeah. in terms of how delighted you are. But yeah, great character and wonderful when he's I, I do love the scene with Black Duncan when he's um, when he's training to fight Black Douglas. Sorry, yeah. um, when he's training to fight and takes him off the horse, <laughs> <and> basically, <laughs> rams him in the boss. Go anywhere near my daughter again, <laughs> yeah. I'll cut these off and use them as bait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I love it. I, I love it when you get a sense that an actor really understands the part, and even you know, and the, the thing is. It's a supporting part. You know, it's mm. not even like he's... He's, he's, not, he's not the lead of the film or anything. No. But, you know, you get... You know, you just... You feel that he's just a really in, a really intuitive actor. Like, I think the, like, probably the last thing we had him in was Red Roads where he's playing a sort of... Mm. You know, quite, a, quite a complicated character in that film. Mm. And even in that film, you just... You know, you just feel that he understands the assignment, if you like, to kind of use a sort of co- kind of popular phrase. Kind of gets to know the character that's been asked to play to the end detail. So, you know, in this film, then I have mean, said in the culture Swally before. I remember meeting the actor Gary Lewis, and he had told me that he was going to be in Gangs that he had just finished Gangs in New York, but he didn't expect his part to be left in the film because Martin Scorsese had filmed hours and hours, and then I happened to meet him again after they seen the film and he's got a prominent part in the film he's mm-hmm. you know he shares a lot of scenes with Daniel Day-Lewis Leonardo DiCaprio and stuff and I said to him you know you remember you telling me that and you're you know you're one of the most important characters in the film he said yeah but you, you just never know and yeah. you know I get and with Curran you, you, I wonder if that he's thought that as well that you know this is a big production it's we've got this uh, Chris Pines here Ford is here Stephen Delaney's here like James Cosmo's here of course all these famous actors and <laughs> um, you know He's like, I might not make That might not be in the film that much, just never know The choices the director makes when it comes to edit Or whatever else, but he still fucking just Delivers this absolutely sublime Portrayal of a sort of Outer Hebridean nobleman come down to fight for his country it's fucking brilliant
0: yeah but what you know every day turning up to work must be amazing when you're like okay who's going to be here today Ah, it's Gavin Mitchell hey how you doing buddy (laughs) good to see you Gavin oh Rab Affleck how you (laughs) doing buddy oh good to see you oh great oh fantastic every day just be a different Scottish actor turning up (laughs) randomly Gilly Gilly Gilchrist Gilly Gilchrist yeah Yeah, of course yeah yeah. yeah. it's just uh, yeah full of little random like one line actors which is Fucking brilliant. I mean, Rab Affleck um, steals it for me with his (laughs) his line, you know, look at these hands, their paws, and he goes, hi, my dad was a bear. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Okay. Florence Pugh. Um, I really like Florence Pugh in general, I don't know, I've, I don't know if I've gone off for a little bit recently. Um, I around about, just a
1: ring through her nose.
0: Yeah, kind <laughs> of, yeah. Around about this time, this was a, like, a three film in a row red hot streak for her. She did Fighting mm. With My Family, which I was a big fan of because obviously yeah. I am a Rest big fan, fan and I've met Paige yeah. and, and, and I really, uh, I like that story. Uh, Midsummer, which I think is an incredible mm. film. Yeah. And of course this, and she's brilliant in this and i almost wish she had a bigger part in this film because she's kind of the voice of reason but then i'm glad she doesn't because i don't want her to drag down too much in terms of the the romance storyline but she's brilliant in this and she's
1: she's such a good actress i think she's the only prominent apart from the wee girl who plays marjorie Mm. uh, bruce's daughter from his first wife she's the only prominent female character there's a few other ones you know there's there's Angus's wife, who's, you know, she's got a good scene and she gets to sing a wee song later on. There's Seamus's wife, you know, the sort of housekeeper at the castle. Mm. And and then there's Florence Pugh's mum, who we see a bit, not hey, her, her, her mum, but her, her character's mum, who we see a bit later on too. And uh, it's, you know, it's a very masculine film. It's, mm. you know politics as it were back then as it was being exclusively men pretty much so she's she's sort of got you know you you, you need an actress who's not gonna fade into the background and the thing is physically F- Florence Pugh is a tiny wee person yeah <laughs> you know and we in the scenes that she's with uh, Chris Pine I mean sh- her forehead comes up to like his chest or mm. lower, you know. She's tiny, uh, but she's such a she's such a like a powerful actress. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and especially in this, you know, she's she's never really the damsel in distress, even though she's you know her character goes through a fair bit of jeopardy when she's you know when they're on the run after the first sort of uprising. There, um, and yeah, she's fantastic, and she's obviously beautiful as well. Mm. Yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah, she's a great actress, Florence Pugh. I mean, I liked her in, I know you don't watch them anymore, but I liked her in um, Black Widow as uh, Scarlett Johansson's sister. It's a good part for her. shes It's physical, she's funny as well. She's actually really funny in that, and they, they bring her character into the Hawkeye TV series as well. Um, yeah,
0: I don't really watch the Marvel films anymore, but um, i I might have to watch Black Widow because, yeah... yeah if it's got Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh in it then yeah mm. i think um, David
1: Harbour's in it as well if that and oh Rachel yeah Weiss. I, I do like Weiss. David Harbour, so yeah. that's why I'll watch it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the, the reason that I will watch it.
0: Um, but yeah, I, I think she's great. And she delivers a little bit of... And, and it's very much when the film needs to kind of slow down a second. Yeah. You have her scenes, and I think yeah. that helps. And she delivers an amazing performance. And for me, you know, one of the, the best scenes of the film is when she's being kind of forced to sign her annulment yeah. by Edward the second and her parents and just the the beautiful way that she yeah. just catches on when edward says well he'll be dead anyway and yeah. she just bursts out laughing in terms of when she's like well why do you need me to sign this because he's dead oh wait a minute he's got you running scared hadn't he <laughs> come, come
1: now robert will soon be dead and you can go home to your family
0: If he will soon be dead, then why... Why force me to forsake
1: him? He's continuing to evade you. Isn't he? (laughs) <laughs> I... Why do you laugh at me? She's great And I think it's with her as well I think she's There's a wee bit of poshness I think To Froland's pure Like I, I sort of I can kind of imagine her Doing like a bit of Shakespeare And stuff When she's mm. At drama school And everything and maybe comes from You know a fairly Nice Well to do Kind of family So when she get Getting her teeth into like a role where she plays a noble woman that comes from sort of medieval English aristocracy and stuff, it feels like it's a bit of kind of bread and butter for her that she can, it's something that she knows that she can do really well. You know, where there's something like Midsommar that requires her to, what do you say, it Midsummer Midsummer. Uh, Midsommar. Midsummer. It requires her to be sort of traumatised at the beginning of the film, have an American act, do an American accent. I mean, in, in that film, I mean, that film, I watched that, and it's quite long, mm. um, but it's one of those films that you watch and it, you sort of can't stop thinking about it yeah. for like a few days. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a, like, like The Wicker Man, I suppose, but it, it, it it's yeah. sort of takes... It sort of of takes the kind of unsettling elements of the Wicker Man and the sort of surreal elements and kind of turns it right up um, and adds like a fair bit of body horror and stuff in there as well. But it really stays with you, you know. I'd say it's almost the closest I've been to the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre
0: in terms of just being unsettled of the people like this actually exist. Yeah, yeah. And the wicker yeah. man as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah you can be like this is this is disturbing. People like this do actually yeah. exist. That's why this is so disturbing. And this yeah. is why this
1: is so. You know, like because um. when you see if when you see a movie that you really enjoy, like, and maybe one that sort of su- that surprises you, and is like how much you've enjoyed it, it's sort you know it's kind of pleasurable to kind of think back on it over the next few days and be like, oh fucking yeah, we liked that. I really liked that bit, and I really liked his performance, right, or oh, mm. whatever. But like a film like that, you're like, I, I don't really want to think about. <laughs> I don't really want to think about this movie. <laughs> you sort of find yourself in your quiet moments kind of thinking about some of the more disturbing parts of it you are like oh fucking hell and it takes like a it really takes like a bit of time to sort of wash it off you know what I mean okay so we
0: have I'm purposely leaving him for last we have um Stephen (laughs) Delane as King Edward and I've again I've never watched Game of Thrones I've watched the first episode I didn't like it but apparently he is quite a big deal in Game of Thrones to yeah. see, he? so it's fucking
1: great, in it? He's he's really good, in it? Actually, um, okay, and yeah, I, he's, he's he's good in this. I mean, like the that character in Game of, in a uh, Braveheart is a fun character, but it's yeah. kind of yeah. you know, uh, what's his name, Patrick um, uh, Patrick May, uh, fuck, yeah, it's it, Patrick McGannigan
0: or something, Patrick, or, McGow- yeah, Patrick McGowan, yeah, McGowan,
1: McGowan, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's a joy to watch But he's he, he plays He goes over the top A bit with the You know sort of, Oh yeah you know, Sinister Pantomime Almost baddie Whereas It's very smelling
0: the-, the glove Like oh
1: Oh, yeah. what has Wallace done now? Uh, yeah. yeah. Whereas De- De- Delaney's kind of... You know, his character's a lot more ambiguous because he's quite reasonable mm. at the beginning. He's like, yeah, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, yeah. come on. You know, you had the courage to stand up to me. You had the wisdom to whatever, surrender, whatever he says to the Bruce. I can't remember exactly. But, like, you know, we're all friends again. Let's have a fucking party. Look at, my, look at this cool catapult that I've got, that I've brought, um, that it took four oh. hours to set up. <laughs> um, the war wolf, the war wolf, yeah, like the Greek fire. Um, mm. But he's great, and he's he's particularly good in the scenes with um, Billy, uh, Billy Thingy that plays Billy his son. Howell, Billy Howell that plays his son, because he's a real disappointment to him, and you, you, kind of get the feeling that he sort of he has a he has a disappointment, but he knows he's his son, and he wants him to be a good successor to him. Mm. Yeah, of course, you know, so. I'll, yeah, I'll give you your chance. How are you going to solve? How are you going to sort this Scottish problem out? Blah blah blah. And you, if he, you know, I, th- I think he brings a much more, a kind of much realer portrayal than what we've seen before. But he's still ruthless. He's still he has that uncompromising sort of quality that you would expect these successful old medieval monarchs probably had. You know, like, and I
0: think. Yeah, you're right in terms of the relationship he has with his son because it's the same, like Billy Howell plays um, Edward II in a completely different way as... see in Braveheart so because Braveheart he is literally an effeminate Nancy boy stereotypical 1995 homosexual
1: medieval homosexual yeah Yeah, yeah. you
0: would never see on screen nowadays whereas Billy Howell plays him so well in terms of he's a he's an aggressive kind of angry chip on his shoulder wants to live up to his father's expectations but is never going to quite do it and his father knows And that's why, you know, leading into the last battle, as far as like, for fuck's sake, I'm going to have to do this myself. And he ends up having to do it. He does put the trust in his son. Whereas in, in the Braveheart versions of those characters, you would never see him putting trust in his son because he no. knows his son is uh, a Nancy it's boy to use and of, useless yeah. and expression. it.
1: Well, he's ashamed of him, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: whereas I thought this was a much more realistic kind of interpretation that he's like, okay, I've trusted your son. You're going to do this, aren't you? And his son fucks up and he's like, for fuck's mm. sake, I'm going to have to do this myself and then yeah, yeah. has to go and do it. But I thought the relationship between the two of them was really well done and I thought, yeah, Billy Howell was great as Edward II. Mm. Like, especially the end seed when he's, puking on the battlefield yeah and begging and ah and, oh, wonderful i know you think me incompetent father but i am to be king hmm. one day let this be a test what would you do son i would raise the dragon father Get word to Valence, Robert the Bruce to be declared an outlaw. Any man or woman who would give shelter to him or any of his ranks, to be executed without
1: trial. My son will raise the dragon banner. The codes of chivalry are ended. There will be no quarter. and, you know, and I, I think the reality of Edward II is probably was probably a bit of a mixture. Of both performances Like the very fat mm. performance and this performance From what what I've been reading About you know, what happened to him And then of course famously uh, The nobles turned on Edward And yeah. his son Who was thought not to be his son But the son of uh, uh, is it Peter de Montfort Or something like that Who was having an affair with Isabella uh, His wife uh, is suspected to have been The actual father of Edward III um, And sort of became de facto king and so Edward III was old enough to uh to kind of take the reins. But yeah, I can imagine I can imagine both versions of Edward II probably getting a being killed with a, a hot poker up the arse, which apparently is what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, that is about that's that's apparently how he was dispatched um mm. by the nobles who turned on him. Uh, history says
0: And of course, mm. I mean if we come into historical inaccuracies which i know we'll, we'll speak about a few later on but i mean edward ii wasn't at the battle no. of loudon hill um in fact he wasn't even king his father was still alive he didn't yeah, die he until two months after the battle but
1: yeah
0: we'll allow a little bit of um a little bit of yeah poetic yeah. license and- for that just to enjoy the the
1: Good film. And Edward the was wasn't buried in Scotland. He was. Mm. He, he died in England, and was. Yeah. I think he's. I think he's in Westminster Abbey. I think. So, uh, do you want some? You want some uh, Robert the Bruce facts? Some quick facts? Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So, fact number one: He was a shagger. Uh, 11, <laughs> Eleven kids, five of which uh, were illegitimate. One of these illegitimate kids went by the name Archibald the Grim. Hmm. <laughs> for some okay. reason. The thing about the spider um, is thought to be kind of folklore, you know, about him, the sort yeah. of, you know, watching the spider building the web and yes. failing a few times and realising that he could do it. There's a great... Um, scene, which isn't in this film because um it happened in Bannockburn but apparently uh, at a break in the fighting in battle in um during the Battle of Bannockburn Bruce was spotted by an English nobleman called Harry de Bowen who decided that he was going to take his opportunity to take Bruce out so he rode at him with his lance and apparently Bruce moved to the side in his horse and brought his axe down on his head so hard <laughs> that he split his helmet and his hat open Jesus. and he his hat, his head and his helmet open and because he hit so hard the axe handle broke in his hand. Wow. And apparently Bruce's only regret was that he'd broken his famous act. That's oh. that's fucking hardcore, isn't it? Yeah, oh, I'm a that's max, hardcore. A You've broken my um, axe, yeah, you fucker. But yeah, I mean, um, his uh, when when he died, uh, Robert the Bruce, Black Douglas, uh, who we'll get onto in a minute, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, he he went off crusading, and apparently, when he was on his deathbed, Bruce asked them because Bruce was uh he was a devout Christian, and he his big regret was that he never got to go and crusade. So he asked. Douglas to take his heart on Crusades, which Douglas mm-hmm. did. Douglas was killed on crusade years later. I mean, his history is something else entirely. He fucking absolute fucking mentalist. If you read about him, but um, <laughs> but when they found when uh, when they were working under Fermanagh Abbey, uh, they found because Bruce's tomb was dis- It was destroyed during the, the Reformation, like right, the sort of rise of uh, Protestantism and the vindication, uh, the victimisation rather of the Catholic Church. His tomb was destroyed, but. When they were doing some work in Dunfermline Abbey in the uh, 1700s, they, they they came across what was left of his tomb and his coffin. And so when they got him out, to they were, they thought it was him, but they wanted to be sure he was cut from sort of neck to sternum. It was opened up, which suggests that that was true. His heart was taken out and taken off into battle. So there you wow. go. But yeah, I think um, Bruce is in, um, he's in, uh, he's, buried, he's in, interned in Dunfermline Abbey uh, to this day. So there you go.
0: Wow. Yeah. What about the Bruce facts? Bruce facts. Right. Let's come on to him then. Aaron Taylor Johnson finding his absolute niche as a complete <laughs> fucking nutcase. James Douglas, who just wants to reclaim his land and his name. A fucking inspired performance. I smiled every time he came on screen. An absolute psychopath. Very much reminded me of David O'Hara as yeah. Stephen of Ireland and Braveheart. it was, yeah, yeah. And that's why I can kind of not quite believe David Mackenzie in terms of he saying he didn't take anything from yeah. Braveheart because it's very much the same. I mean, as you've said, like the story of Black Douglas is kind of exactly as it happened. Um, mm. The only thing when I, I read about it was the only thing they actually changed was that when he takes his castle back, mm. it actually took place at a banquet rather than the chapel but all right that chapel yeah. scene is fucking epic and <laughs> yeah. aaron taylor johnson okay i would say his accent is good but it isn't consistent as chris pines yeah. it does go up and down a bit but in places because i re-watched it again today in places it's pretty much spot on but in places it does kind of go up and down a little bit and he's got a very strong kind of london accent in real life he's kind of like Essex, yeah like Kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, South London accent. So, and he did say he really struggled because he's like, honestly, a Scottish accent is probably the hardest accent I've ever had to do. And, you know, yeah. he's, done, he's done a lot of American accents and mm. stuff, but I, and I guess you think, yeah, a Scottish accent probably is quite hard to do for a non-Scott and to keep it consistent. Yeah. He's just fucking amazing in this film, though, isn't he? He's he's good.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I mean, he is, he's fucking going for it, you yeah. know, and especially. <laughs> especially in the battle scenes and the in the fighting scenes but by all accounts you know they if you read the the history of uh, Douglas you know they it does it does feel like Johnson's performance rings true to some extent yeah you know they the whole thing about salting the well when he takes mm-hmm. the castle back i mean apparently Douglas he didn't just salt the well he put the dead englishman and their horses down there, down the well oh, as the well, to make too. sure. That- wow! <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. You know, and the whole and it was a it was a religious holiday. It was um, that's why they we were having the feast. It was um, bizarre. But how do you say it? Sam 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 Sunday. Sam Sam Sunday. Yes, yeah. yeah, sorry. Bit of a heathen you know so probably unexpected because they there is a moment in the film when uh bruce calls out um i don't know he's the character written down but the english fella who's the sort of shrewd of scotland and he says so let's we can settle at one-on-one one right now yeah. and it's like yeah but it's sunday and unlike you yeah you know, mm-hmm. don't, we, don't, we don't battle on a sunday so they probably they weren't expecting the last thing they would have expected is for douglas yeah. and a handful of of, his, of men to sort of turn up and start knifing people at the feast,
0: <laughs> you know? It's just, uh, when he, I mean, you introduced to him in the first, I mean, Christ, we'll come back to that. I haven't even talked about the first nine minutes of this film, which is all yeah. in one shot
1: yeah it's great isn't it which (laughs) is
0: epic we'll come back to that after we've spoken about Aaron Taylor Johnson but you you see him in those first nine minutes trying to claim his land and his name back he gets pushed away and then the next time you see him he's coming down on the horse or or coming down the road to Robert the Bruce's army and and they think he might be a threat and Mm. beautiful scene between him and Bruce are you a good man I'm trying to be that's good enough for me yeah yeah I killed John Coleman at the altar You should know the man to whom you're offering loyalty. Are you a good man? I'm trying to be. It's good enough for me. And he just fucking battles for Bruce and Bruce obviously really repays that and shows that and appreciates that because later mm. when they've when they're kind of reclaiming Scotland and he says he wants to go back and take over his own land and he's yeah. can I take three men, take five, but be careful, I've already lost mm. two brothers. I don't want yeah, yeah. another one. And you, yeah, you kind of your heart swells there. You're like, oh Jesus, he yeah. you know, sees him as a brother. But for me, it's it's the final battle scene when he bumps into the the English guy, and he's just, "What's my fucking name?" And he's yeah. battering him. "What's my name, Duncan?" <laughs> yeah. And then just uh, uh, Doug- Douglas. Douglas. <laughs> yeah. The reason is I used to work with a guy called James Duncan, and that's why I always start oh, think James Duncan. Duncan. Um, and he says Douglas, and just fucking slashes him. And ah. Oh, <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, yeah. do you think Aaron Taylor Johnson showed this as his showreel audition for getting the role of Craven the Hunter?
1: <laughs> no, possibly. He's got a Russian accent, and that I've seen a trailer yeah. for that like Craven the Hunter. It looks like it's going to be a pretty bloody affair. Yeah. By if the trailer's anything to go by. So, yeah, maybe, perhaps, maybe that and his sort of nondescript Eastern European accent he does in the Avengers 2 is a uh, Quicksilver. The, yeah, Petro. Yeah, Quicksilver, Wanda's brother. Um. yeah, maybe, like, you know, I mean, I've always quite liked Aaron Taylor-Johnson. I think the first thing I saw him in was he plays um, John Lennon in a film called Nowhere Boy that's about John Lennon as a sort of teenager just when he, he meets the rest of the Beatles. Um, oh, really? He's, it's, yeah, it's a pretty good film. Um, no, I
0: know the film. I'm just surprised yeah. that was the first thing you saw him in.
1: That's first thing I saw I first thing I saw him in, and then of course I saw him in Kick Ass, which yeah. is I I enjoyed that first one. I didn't enjoy the second one quite as much, but it was okay. No. Um but the first one's really good and he's great in it. Um, no. and the other one the, the the other one of his that I, I enjoyed I think I got panned a bit was the Oliver Stone one, Savages. He's mm. it got a uh, Benico Del Toro's in it, John Travolta's in it, um I think Amber not Amber not Amber Heard, Ryan Reynolds' wife, bro- uh, can't um, uh, Blake, Blake, Blake 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 Lively Blake Lively yeah yeah um, and I thought that was quite I quite enjoyed that oh Salma Hayek's in it as well I, I quite enjoyed that and I thought he was good in it but Have yeah you, he's um, a fun
0: you see him in Bullet Train
1: yeah yeah that's a good film that's good fun yeah. as well yeah yeah no I, I rate him I think he's a good actor Alan Taylor Johnson like, oh, it, although he has taken his wife's name. And his wife's like twice his age. Do you know that? Sam, um, yeah, yeah. Amy, jo- yeah. Amy, is it Amy Johnson? His wife? Uh, no, Sam. Sam Taylor. Sam Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, she's like highly
0: long, like... tipped to be the next James
1: Bond. Yeah, I, I'm not against it. It might be, be, all right. Yeah, I think not he'd
0: be. I think he'd be pretty good. I mean, if he wants yeah. to not give up his career, because I mean, to be fair, it's not the chalice it once was. Because look at Daniel Craig; he's done yeah a lot okay it is a it does tie you down for a lot, but then yeah, Daniel Craigs has done a lot of other stuff you know in terms of knives out glass onion, and yeah, yeah. he's done a few other things, and I think nowadays in terms of the all the streaming networks like Netflix, you can do like a Netflix film or things and mm. not be tied down but I think Aaron taylor Johnson's would be a fucking great Bond.
1: I think yeah, it'd be good. I mean, I think I think with a Bond film, it's like a year, right? You know, you're you're probably it's probably a year of your life. I'd say about two yeah. years
0: because you've got a year of filming and then probably a year of promotion because it, yeah, it yeah. is a it's a promotion machine that you go on yeah, for a Bond yeah. film. So I would say about two years, I think, for a Bond. I film. think
1: I, th- I, th- I think McCreight he, he he did a lot of interesting stuff before he was Bond. Mm. Um, you know, like as opposed to Connery who had done a couple of. Sort of milk rounds, not yeah, yeah, delivered a lot of milk. He's in that weird Irish film, like Mick Darby and a little people, or something like that. Um. Before he was in Bond, like Roger Moore was already quite an established television actor um, before he became Bond. I hadn't seen Timothy Dalton in a lot of stuff before he was Bond, mm. really, um, or since. Although he's fucking brilliant and hot, Fuzz, I have to say. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, and then, and then, Broz- Brosnan's never really done a lot of high-profile stuff since.
0: He oh was Bond. come on, it's been Mamma Mia.
1: <laughs> Mamma Mia too.
0: He was in the Thomas Crown Affair. Brosnan has done a few things actually. Yeah, I, I, I would dispute that. Brosnan's right, done enough. a few things. I would say.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I'll let. I'll, we'll let that slide. He was in Black Adam with the the rock thing. Not Black Adam. Yeah. yeah, Black Adam. Is it Black Adam? I haven't seen like, Black Adam, sh- so don't know. It's, but it's, but it's that's called the, Black Adam though, right? Shazam. Yeah. This, yeah, this the superhero yeah, rock Black, film. Yeah. Shazam's yeah, kind yeah, of sorry. arch enemy. Yeah, Black Adam. I thought I was. I thought I was saying something like horribly racist there for a second. I was like. Was it called Black Adam? Um, It's okay. It's okay. uh, So, yeah, let's see. I think, you know, Taylor Johnson's got a... He's got quite a diverse sort of resume already uh, and the stuff that he's done. So he could probably go into Bond and still do, to your point, some interesting stuff adjacent to his... 10 years Bond and probably he's young enough to go on to do a lot of fucking great stuff afterward as well, you know. It seems a shame that we're kind of at the end of our
0: review, really, and we're about to talk about the opening nine minutes of the film, but the opening (laughs) nine minute shot is spectacular. Like, it just puts you so in it, and it's just this long tracking shot that sees, you know, Robert and everyone pledging their allegiance to Longshanks, then you get this epic sword fight between robert and edward which is this 360 kind of view that you kind of feel yeah. you're right in and then you see the war wolf, and that is just an incredible mm. shot of the the kind of flaming boulder yeah. coming back and then going through and I, actually i didn't realize until the second time i watched it i'm like that's all one take how did i yeah, not yeah. notice that before it's epic
1: you, you, you don't really realise until you're right in it. You yeah. Know, like going in and out of the tent um, when when Edward calls uh, the younger Edward in um, and everything. Yeah, it's um, it's great. I I like that kind of thing. And I and I was wondering as well if the if the I mean obviously they haven't really fired a, a flaming metal ball. at a castle, no, but I, I, I wonder. Well, yeah, of course. But I was wondering how much of the how much of the catapult was in camera. You know, did they build mm. the apparatus because they like, they could fire it dry for the CGI? You know, and just fire the mechanism so it moves rounds and creates the motion. Um, but I suppose you'd have to wait it to do that as well, right? Yeah, to get that real. Yeah. So maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. But yeah, it's like it's a cool shot. Um, yeah, everyone's there, and uh was it Edward says he says you know it's was it you can enjoy being on the winning side for for a change or something like that? He says yeah. right after they fire the catapult. Now now, now you can accept their surrender. Um, so let let me ask you a question. Yeah. Have you have you ever swore on the bodies of two dead swans?
0: No, I haven't. And that was going to be my intro for you as well. In terms of you swore on the necks of two dead swans that you were up to hold the culture swally, but I decided not to. But no, I've I've never held a swan's neck fucking hell swans are vicious I wouldn't even go near a swan it could break your arm yeah everybody knows that I think I was like walking Bobby the other day I, well a few weeks ago and there was a swan walking around that was kind of following us and I was kind of running away with him like come on come on we need yeah. to go we need to go yeah, swan and break it was, neck.
1: swans are like they just look like fucking pissed off all the time swans even when you see them they're kind of gliding across like a a glassy lake or lock, we should say because it's a culture swally they just look fucking pissed off look at that fucking really angry look at their face all the
0: time I don't know in the summer like on the river I live in they, you see a lot of swans and when they're sleeping like if I'm up walking my dog in the morning and we're walking past and they're still sleeping like the, the way they sleep with their long necks the, tucked into their underneath and oh they yeah. look so cute so. but yeah vicious little bastards
1: yeah but you can't see their faces because their faces are under their wings they could be fucking yeah, but they look like little <laughs> fluffy donuts. Like, they look lovely.
0: No, right, to get back on the film. Uh, one criticism I have about this film is that I don't think they built up a lot of the characters enough because, hmm. genuinely, when Robert the Bruce's brothers die, i didn't give yeah. a shit because i didn't know them because <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we saw them in like two scenes beforehand and genuinely when one of them died i'm like who's he especially yeah like,
1: alex the the one that gets ran through with a spear yeah the boat.
0: yeah I'm like, yeah Who, who's he why is he so oh it's his brother okay yeah at least the guy that gets garroted which is neil pretty
1: fucking yeah. brutal neil yeah
0: yeah um At least I knew he was his brother, but yeah, I'm kind of like, and it wasn't till the second time I watched it. I'm like, okay, there's literally two scenes with them all Mm. together and it's all around a table. But otherwise you wouldn't know who the fuck they were. So why would I care? So I think there was a, a, that's one criticism I have though. I wasn't invested enough in those characters.
1: Yeah, I would agree completely. And the thing is, the other thing that pissed me off a bit as well was that why why didn't it go all the way to the Battle of Bannockburn? Like, the, the, his, the ultimate victory, really. And they didn't quite put the crown on his head, but it certainly was one of the decisive blows that would eventually see him crowned the King of Scotland.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they did that because... And that's another thing, because... The Battle of Loudon Hill took place in 1307. mm -hmm, So at the beginning of this film, it says 1304. So this film takes place over a period of three years, which doesn't feel like it. It feels like it takes place over, like, fucking 10 days
1: or something. Yeah, yeah. Or two weeks. Yeah. And it's seven years before Bannockburn as well, the Battle of Loudon Hill. Yeah,
0: exactly. I did have on my notes, did they consciously not want it to end at Bannockburn? But then I wonder if they were kind of like, well, the Battle of Loudon Hill was kind of the trigger that led Mm -hmm. to the events of Bannockburn. And maybe that was why, I don't know if they they wanted to not make it the freedom kind of aspect, almost. If they wanted to, to make it kind of just a little, maybe they wanted to set it up for...
1: Um, Outlaw but, but, King 2 electric they ruined, Scottish boogaloo they, <laughs> yeah freedom boogaloo um, but they sort of ruined that by the subtitles at the end of the film that tells you what happened you know well so after the battle of Loudon Hill blah 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 and it sort of you know, so like if, if it was ever in their mind to do a follow-up, they, they wouldn't have done that because, you know, for anybody not familiar with the history, that spot, that spot those, those lines at the end of the film kind of spoil a, a potential sequel for anybody who doesn't know what actually happened, right?
0: Oh, Greg, have you not seen films before? Look at the end, Halloween 2, like Jamie Lee Curtis finds out <laughs> Michael Myers is his sister and then H2O it still is and then they rewrite it when it comes to the new Halloween yeah, films. You yeah, yeah. can just... Fuck up the timelines, it's fine. They if really they want like. to do, you know, it's fine. They can they can do whatever they like and, and rewrite things.
1: Well, there's two other Bruce films um, which I've not seen and I didn't have time to try and watch in time for today um, because we only had a week. Now, the first one, The Bruce, starring Oliver Reed and Will from Gladiator, I understand that that does uh, cover Bannockburn, the Battle did of Bannockburn. You, sorry, did you just say Wolf from Gladiator? Is Gladiators is is in is in the Bruce?
0: There's a film The
1: Bruce with Oliver Reed
0: and Wolf from Gladiator.
1: <laughs> yeah, it came out I, after Braveheart. I never it knew about very, this. It, it didn't do very well. I can tell you the full cast. I've got it open on my on my screen right now. Um, so you have got Sandy Welch who plays Robert the Bruce, whoever the fuck he is. He's not even got a Wikipedia page. Oliver Reed as uh, Robert Wishart. Brian Blessed plays Longshanks. Uh, Richard Brindlecombe plays Edward II. He, again, he doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so we'll, we'll never know who he is. Pavel Douglas plays John uh, Common. Hildegard Neal plays Eleanor of Castile. Uh, Michael van Wich, who I guess is Dutch, plays Henry de Bohun, who I mentioned earlier on, who gets his... Uh, gets his who got his fucking head cut into Um D Hepburn of Gregory's Girl plays Robert the Bruce's wife. Ronnie Brown plays Maxwell. Don't know who either of those are, the actor or the character. Jake Darcy is uh, Chief Mackenzie. but um, it's not on Wikipedia, but I know for a fact that Wolf uh, of Gladiators is in it as well. It's, it's it's probably on YouTube because it famously made fuck all money. Like The, the budget was half a million quid, and I think it... I don't think it even made fucking 10 grand. Now, the other one came out in 2019... And it stars Angus McFadden who plays um, Robert yes. the Bruce and Braveheart. So that there's a bit more about that film on Wikipedia. It doesn't cover the events of Bannockburn. It's all about Bruce being wounded and taken in by some village women and mm. getting close to their family and everything. It doesn't it doesn't cover the historical excitement that we want to see on the big screen, which is probably why it only made twenty thousand pounds in the UK and its opening. <laughs> in its opening week. <laughs> Sad save figures. The sad state of affairs Uh, You know I mean like I said At the beginning of the pod You know Like I've read Like a fair bit About Scottish history This year Some of it I knew um, Just from Kind of growing up And everything But a lot of the detail I didn't know But this period In Scottish history Is really exciting To read about Mm. Um, You know It's got intrigue It's got betrayal It's got fierce battles. It's it feels perfect for like a big exciting no. sort of swashbuckling film. But there's there's very little um really movies about Scottish history really. It just so happens that one of them is an incredibly famous well awarded film in the shape of Braveheart.
0: Well, I would say yeah, I really enjoyed watching this film. Really enjoyed mm. it. Um I thought it was it was great nice bit of Scottish history and Yeah, nothing against Chris Pine at all for his accent or anything. But yeah, yeah, really enjoyed this. And yeah, you should make more Scottish history films in terms of this because it's such an exciting period.
1: The good thing about this film as well... Like, unlike Braveheart and Mabroy the majority of the film was actually shot in Scotland <laughs>
0: very true yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and, and I need to issue a correction uh, I gave an erroneous fact earlier on um, Archibald the Grimm wasn't um, Robert the Bruce's son he was one of uh, the Black Douglas's sons he had, he had two sons okay. he had William who became the Lord after uh, James died and Archibald the Grimm who uh, I guess didn't um, become he didn't rise to nobility um, and one very last Last fact: The Corries have got a song about the Black Douglas. Oh. <laughs> so there you go. If you, remember the Corries? They were yeah, fucking massive of in course, Scotland at yeah, one were time, weren't they? Yeah, I remember the Corries? Yeah, of course. Yep. So, so there you go. Uh, I guess it's time to put the outlaw king through our Swally awards. Yes, let's do it, Greg. What have we got okay. first? Right. So, even though uh, Bobby the Barman uh, is in the film, we're rather the actor. <laughs> Who, who plays Bobby the Barman? Gavin Mitchell was in the film. There are no pubs uh, to speak of. No. So we'll 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 go right on to the the James Cosmo Award for being an everything Scottish. No shortage of um, choices here, uh, but I think you kind of got to give it to Cosmo. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs>
0: it's Cosmo. The award's named after him. Like, yeah. Rab Affleck was a close second, but it has to be Cosmo.
1: Well, I gave I gave Affleck Donaghy and Gilchrist and. Current sort of special mention, but yeah, I think Cosmo is the yeah is the winner of that one. Um, the next one then is the again no shortage of choices here, but the Jake McQuillan Your Teaseout Award. <laughs> what did you pick for this one?
0: I went, and there are quite a few, obviously, um, but I went with uh, Robert punching Edward at the end, just after the last battle.
1: Yes, yeah, very in the very in the McQuillan tradition. Yeah. That one. Uh, I think also the 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 slap that the Lady of the Isles gives to Angus when he comes when he returns back home. Yes. Is that a good one? You could also have uh the kind of double header of the the impaling of Alex Bruce in the boat, but also the impaling of the unusual character Drew, the squire who carries the Bruce who saves the Bruce's crown from the mm. first battle and and gives it and he gives it to him as he's taking his last breath. On the blooded fields of Loudon Hill. Um, next one, then the Francis Begbie Award for gratuitous swearing. What did
0: you go for for this?
1: I went with Douglas. Where's that cunt Clifford? <laughs> <laughs> it feels very much in this tradition. What about you?
0: That was in my top three. Um, I I loved Angus's wife. Uh, where the fuck have you been? And yep. slapping him across the face. But for me, it has to be Black Douglas. What's my fucking name?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a great one. Yep, yeah, all good um all good ones there um next then the ewan mcgregor award for gratuitous nudity a couple of choices
0: it's chris pine's cock in the lake let's just yeah. be honest that the, there is a sex scene which is not necessarily needed but it is in part of the story of the film however yeah. gratuitous there's no need for chris pine to just be in that lake with his cock no coming out not really yeah. And that is what the award is, gratuitous nudity. And I, I think yeah. the sex scene, and we can speak all about Florence Pugh's tatas and Chris Pine's pee-pee <laughs> and bum-bum um, yeah. in that scene, but I, I think that kind of was needed for the storyline, whereas yeah. Chris Pine just being in the lake, just coming out with his cock out,
1: was that needed? Yeah, probably not. Maybe. Uh, well, we know that uh, David McKenzie likes his leading actors to get their cocks out. So maybe well, that's maybe that's, that, that's very true Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. one of his little follyables perhaps um, And then the next award then the sort of archetypal Scottish moment, what, is, what did you go for here?
0: We've done this for Braveheart and we've done it for Rob Roy. really haven't we It's just the yeah. general kind of hatred of the English
1: and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Yeah, I mean yeah, you could have had that I had uh, selective use of religion <laughs> It's pretty Scottish That's um,
0: Yeah, that's probably a better choice, actually. Yeah, (laughs) that probably works a little bit better. Yeah,
1: Yeah, finding a wee bit a wee a wee a wee jaggy thistle in bed. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever done that though? Really? Have you ever done that? No. Find a wee jaggy. No. Okay. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, I'm sure. Maybe one of our listeners has, but no. Thankfully, it's never happened to me. And then the last one, then uh, the Sean Connery Award. Who won the film for you? Who have you gone for? tough one for me I think Aaron Taylor Johnson is gives great value, you know, it's great fun every scene he's in is great because most scenes he's in he's fucking attacking somebody in some shape or form and it's, he's in all the exciting moments. Chris Pine is very, very good, you know with reigned praise on his Scottish accent, he's, he's I think Chris Pine's a likeable guy in real life and I think he mm. thats quite you know he was in Scotland a few weeks ago I think he um, i think he sort of fell in love with the Scottish countryside when he was making this film
0: We had him on the purple tin game a few
1: episodes ago. That's, yeah we did exactly um, but I think f- for me in terms of just what I really enjoyed about the film and it, yeah he's not in it as much as the other actors but I just really enjoyed Tony Curran I just, oh. I just think we need to see him in more things. You know, yeah. for, for me, he really he really brings a lot of authenticity to his part and to the dynamic and everything, and I just really enjoy his performance. Um, you know, and it, it was good to see him playing a character, you know, sort of based on a real person, but, you know, it's... Because the thing with this film, yeah, you know, it's about a serious time in Scottish history, but it's it's a good ride, you know what I mean? It's it's good fun. It's a it's yeah. a ride, this film. And I think Curran, is, you know, rather than seeing him playing, like, a serious sort of damaged character, he just seems like he's having a great time. Um, yeah, true. Be- because it feels to me like he's enjoying... He's enjoying given his performance. You know, I I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, mm. now look forward to his moments. So I would for me, it was current. What about you?
0: Yeah, kind of similar. Um, I think. Chris Pine is incredible in this. Um, hmm. Like, I really, really liked his performance. Florence is amazing. Um, I gave it to Aaron Taylor-Johnson because yeah. when I think of this film, I will think of his character. And yeah. I will think of Say My Fucking Name and just the brutality and the scene of the church and just what he's got spit running down his beard and blood all over his face and just yeah. raging. And yeah, he, he wins it for me. Tony Curran would mm-hmm. probably come a close second, actually, because he is fantastic. And I, I love the kind of interaction, especially that scene I mentioned earlier when he's like, stay the fuck away from my daughter. Uh, but yeah, I think I would go with, uh, yeah, Aaron Taylor-Johnson for that. But
1: Yeah, yeah. cool. Very
0: good. Wonderful. So. Okay, so that was my choice this week, Greg. So, you know what? It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, Greg. <laughs> and <laughs> our next episode... Of the Culture Swallow will be our Christmas episode. So why do you tell us what we're gonna be looking at on the Christmas episode? Of the culture swally, Greg?
1: Well, I've gone for a deep, deep cut and one that I've never seen before. I've chosen it because it was broadcast at Christmas. It was part of, uh, I think, Channel 4 or ITV's Christmas programming, um, starring the late, great Robbie Coltrane, who's accompanied by people like Bill Murdoch, Ron Donaghy, Craig Ferguson, Major. and it's 1992's the Bogeyman, oh. um, where he plays uh, a mental patient who believes he's Humphrey Bogart. So, yeah, looking forward to watching that. I've never seen it. Um, and we've not, had, like, we've not really had a ton of Coltrane appearances on the Culture Swally, really, considering how many episodes we've done over the last few years. So that is something we shall have to remedy, to paraphrase another Scottish historical epic.
0: But what if we had him in? We've had him in a couple of things, have we? Or... Yeah, considering everything swally. he's done... Not yeah. a
1: great not big comparatively speaking. Uh not as much as um, you know, some other Scottish actors. No, definitely not.
0: Need to not not as much as Alex on. Norton. <laughs> definitely not i wanted to rectify that but wonderful uh okay so the bogeyman which i believe is available on youtube and uh yeah, yeah. if you want to do your homework for the christmas episode you can watch it there well i, I,
1: I, I hope it is otherwise maybe <laughs> might be talking about something completely different in the next episode
0: <laughs> it's definitely available on youtube but um if it's if it's suddenly not anymore don't worry greg i downloaded it the other day so it's fine oh okay from youtube Excellent. so booking okay, uh, yeah um anyway okay uh Right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. You can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com. Or if you want to follow us on the socials, you can follow us on Instagram at CultureSwallyPod. Or if you want to follow us on X, which was formerly known as Twitter, you can follow mm. us at SwallyPod. And Greg, we have a wonderful website as well, don't we?
1: Yep, you can find us at cultureswally.com with links to all their episodes, some articles about Scottish media and culture. Um, I'll put up the picture on the earlier news story about the doll and you guys can let us know if you think that they can see a creepy wee face there or if it's, you know, just a lot of bollocks. But we'd love to hear from you.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Right, well, I'm going to go off and research some creepy wee dolls uh, right. Well, I'll see you at Christmas, Eric. Ne- I'll see you at Christmas. Until next time. Till next time. I could talk about God. But he has no place where we are going. I could talk about honour. But you are here. You know enough about honour. I know you all as men, but today, today we are beasts. We fight for God, for honour, for country, for family, for yourselves I do not care so long as you fight! (laughs)